Welcome to Prussian Socialism, bringing you Christmas, whether you like it or not. Merry Christmas, William. Merry Christmas, Greg. Yeah. So I want to talk about, mostly about our experience, talk big picture and and not really, we don't really have a particular uh, academic topic for today. But I want to talk about our, our experiences in mm, dissident politics, mm. that's a bad <laughs> word, uh, Jew-knowing politics. Radical politics. In in the last eight years or so, we had the you know, rise of, of Donald Trump and the alt-right from mm. 15, 16, lots of street activism in 17, mm-hmm. and then big collapse in 18 and infighting. Oh, I'm, I don't mean to use that word necessarily in a negative way, just, you know, sometimes it's, it, it's necessary. In rearranging. Uh, yeah, rearranging. And then... 1920 not a lot and then because covid more, hit at the end of or the beginning of 20 and then then things start kind of coming back together 2021 20, 22 you know th- throughout this there have been a number of there's always these ideas that keep coming up and this is even longer than just the alt-right or just the last eight years i mean this has been something in american politics since the 1930s of attempts by whites to reassert control over America specifically, but also in Europe. Mm. And there are persistently these dumb ideas about how this works. Mm. So one of those ideas is the notion that we need to do something while whites are still a a majority. And therefore, so for instance, whites are what, 60% of the US, 56%, something like that. It's getting bad, yeah. And, and therefore... We need to all we need to vote for the Republicans to stop immigration um, before we get below 50 percent, because when you're below 50 percent, you can't win an election. This is the the logic. And this is like this brain prison that people are in. I this is totally wrong. Uh, I think the correct way to look at this is basically if you can rally a third of the entire electorate on your side, you can break the entire system. Right. Uh, and it, it, a third, I think, is about the right number because if you if you like look forward and you say, okay, well, if a third of people of of the American population was arrayed in one political movement and strongly tied to it, the rest of the system, an anti-Semitic movement, I should say, too. Right, of course, it, yeah. This we're Explicit. not talking about like libertarianism or <laughs> I don't know Bernie Sandersism or something. Bernie we're Sanders. talking about a explicitly anti-Semitic movement, and you have. you are able to get a third of the population which is about half of whites right or maybe a little bit more than half of whites then everybody else the other two-thirds are still split in the democrat republican system they actually can't unsplit them i don't think i couldn't imagine they'd be able to because the entire system relies on pitting those two sides against each other and there's also the ethnic politics of uh black grievance and hispanics and and jews and everything else yeah and so if you have a solid block of whites who are about a third of the population you start you're in an interesting position where you can do things like you can negotiate with outside groups and say well maybe maybe we cut a deal with the blacks or the asians or uh, the Hispanics, whatever groups are well organized and are able to reliably uh, be a block, be a block, right? Yeah, and are willing to work with us, and we have some kind of mutual power over each other. 
there's there's ways yeah. to ensure that both sides have to meet their commitments all the way through. And the, 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 this is how the system works itself. I mean, this is how they are able to keep politicians under control. Yeah. And so I'm not like in before, in before, in before. I'm not suggesting that we're just going to like peace out with the blacks or, or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. when you have a third of the population, you can you can wield power and form coalitions. Right. Of course. Honestly, uh, and not not have to build like a th- your your block with blacks and hispanics you build the block with whites and then you negotiate yeah it's it's the order of operations here those coalitions are different than than integration clearly you know like it's a major thing that people think that if if we if we have a coalition with these other groups or whatever we become like you know just a big multicultural melting pot you know, well why is that the case like are you do you have do you want to mix with them i don't think i don't think you want to do that you know it's you can still maintain your self-sovereignty within a block like as a block within a coalition as long as you maintain that mentality um you know it's not going to be like if we ally with the blacks or if we ally with the you know the i don't know the aztecs but, but you have to do it from a position of power obviously right, you, don't, of you don't start yeah. when you're when you're nobody and then say okay well we want to because uh, being weak and up. cozying up to them you will just become absorbed right yep. so kanye for instance would probably not be a good <laughs> option for us at the moment no <laughs> <laughs> as you know as we can admire from afar perhaps although i think he's already like too far gone i think he's already have you been following that much lately <laughs> i think they're gonna destroy him they're gonna sort of, they're making him insane they're gonna do the same thing to him that they did michael jackson yeah, and, and I, I think his problem is basically that he doesn't have that coalition behind him. He doesn't have that right. black uh, block. <laughs> <laughs> that block of blacks. Black block, dude. <laughs> uh, he doesn't have that block of blacks solidly behind him. You yeah. can advise him and prevent him from getting sucked into all these gay ops with Milo and, and, right, and right. Fuentes and all they, those other they, things. W- the, the, the black Israelites needed to pick him up immediately. Well, he like, needed to, hey, he needed to pick them up immediately. Well, yeah, true, yeah, because uh, he had the money to do it. He could have funded them or whatever. Honestly, I'm not sure. I don't know why he hasn't allied with Farrakhan. Right. I like, mean, this was all this the people what, to do it. That would have been the the, the smart. The well, this smart is what, what Warren and I suggested a, uh, a couple a month or two ago when we did uh, FTN. We were talking about just that. Like, yeah. if you're Kanye, what do you do? the logical move? that preserves your power and allows you to keep advancing on an explicitly anti-Semitic position as a black man is to align with Farrakhan. Right. Uh, or maybe the black Israelites. I don't know. But in order, but the thing uh, is like, both. I would say not, both. neither of us, Warren and I weren't suggesting that that is going, to, that wasn't a prediction. Yeah. That was a, this is what you would do. Yeah, it's what you should do. Yeah. But I think we both were, I mean, I, I said, I'm pretty sure basically that that's not going to happen because he doesn't have the political knowledge and he doesn't have the advisors behind him to mm-hmm. to make that happen and i don't think fuentes would give him that advice i really don't yeah, fuentes doesn't understand that no because he's no, whatever but <laughs> you know he uh, yeah i don't think that he's gonna be able to to pull that off he had he i think he had a very good position a very good strong position just to do something from and i think it is squandered unfortunately at this point but uh, i do want to keep going with this idea here so because I think a lot of people don't understand that political change is possible. Right. In fact, it's it's almost inevitable. I mean, it's like very much this these things can happen. And I've seen people drop out of this movement over the years because they just unfortunately get so black pilled. <laughs> they just yeah. see see no way out, and they 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 don't see it going anywhere, and they don't see that things are possible. But I have a strong belief that things are possible, and this is a rational belief, a rational belief, not an irrational belief, because of uh, how quickly history changes, how how fragile the system is. And if you think about it, if you work backwards, you sort of backwards plan the national revolution. If you have a third, if you can 
bring into your organization about a third of whites. You actually don't, or a third of the entire electorate, sorry. So that's, the electorate uh, in the last election was, I think, 160 million in the last presidential election. That's barely half the population. Right. And you figure that the population is going to grow in the next 10 years. Uh, so, so look at, let's take the 2032 presidential election as like a, you know, a, a reasonable amount of time. Is that the next election is 32? No, it's no. obviously... Wait, no. Two years from now, but I'm, I'm projecting 10 years okay, out. Okay. I was like, wait, I'm losing 2030, time. <laughs> I was like, what happened? What 2032. If you have a third of the population willing to vote for you, what does that look like in terms of your organization? How many people actually have to be involved in your organization and uh, giving money and giving time, activism, being involved directly? I would say it's about 10%. Mm. Uh, of So like... If you want to wield 60 million voters, you probably need about 6 million people who are activists and support and giving money and giving time. So that's actually an attainable number. Why I say 10%, I think the the NSDAP was about like people who are actually involved in NSDAP, like brown shirts and party functionaries, Mm. uh, people with party cards were roughly 10% Mm. of the uh, 10% of the third that voted for Hitler in the 1932 and 19, you know, uh, the 1932 elections, right? The, The two of them that were like, as the Nazis were coming to power, they had a, a couple. They had, I think they had an election in the summer, where Hitler like was offered. He almost got power. He was offered. He got uh, enough votes to um, be offered de- deputy chancellor and like a couple ministries, and, oh, he, yeah. and he turned it down because he knew that that was just going to make the movement dissolve because they wouldn't be able to actually do anything. But they would. It would look like they had power, so they would be uh, responsible for things. They would be blamed when things went wrong, but they wouldn't actually be able to affect anything and it would just run out. So he said, he turned it down and said, no, I don't want it. I want chancellor and I get to name my, these ministers. And so they had a, a, you know, the party went through some troubles in the last half of 1932, but then they won again toward, uh, you know, December 32, January 33, Mm. and then took power and at the end of January. So about 10%, right? So 6 million people. It's you a Christmas need, miracle. You, you, need, you need a movement of about 6 million people. Well, all right. So how many people are regular supporters or involved in this movement right now? I think it's safe to, you know, you could guess something like 3,000, 5,000, 10,000. I mean, if you look at how many people listen to things like FTN, yeah. uh, and it's hard to get exact metrics just because of... Uh, how widely distributed these things are and and uh you know you, you i remember youtube videos some of the ones i i did back in um you know 2017 or, or so would be getting tens of thousands yeah. i mean there's a lot of people already who are involved in this stuff at least pass the jokes on you greg most of those were feds but you know, how do you get from where we're at now? Let's say our, our number right now is 10,000. Mm-hmm. If you double that number every year for the next 10 years, you get something like 6 million. I think it's actually, if you had, if you only have 6,000 now, you, you, you double 6,000 10 times, you get 6 million. It's a lot, but it's doable, I would imagine. So it is, this, this is doable with the right amount of uh, vigorous organization. So a lot of what I'm saying has presupposed that uh, in order for, great political change uh, for throwing Jews out of power in order for that to happen that whites need to basically take over the government uh, behind a mass movement now why am I saying that is that is the case and not some other possibility so 
let's go through some other possibilities. Yeah, first. there's many possibilities, Greg. So okay, so let's throw out. Um, why can't we just make money? Right? Okay, why can't we just make money? So if all of us who know about the Jewish question and understand things, if we all go and we make money, let's let's two ways. We'll say we make money as individuals and we make money as a group. Right. And so let's give. I'll just give a couple of examples of of things that i've heard around right okay. of like how we could win right through money and this is all kind of people without money mind you right that they're not billionaires and there have been billionaires so keep with a grain of salt but they wonder again elon musk is a good example right um how come elon musk can't be a big papa nazi on the block or whatever and just give okay us like let's a assume yeah let's assume that some big man with a shit ton of money like elon musk comes to the correct conclusions about jews and then decides that he wants to um he wants to start a political movement and become the president and install all of his men in the top positions and then take over the government. I think that's like distantly maybe possible theoretically under certain conditions if we assume a sort of uh, Marius or Sulla kind of man who's ruthless and, and able to take over like that. The reason I do not think that that is going to happen and it isn't really, uh, it's not worth waiting around for uh, a couple things. First of all, a man like Elon Musk, in order for him to do that, he has to have men that he can rely on. If he's built up himself as a billionaire by working within the Jewish system for all this time, Surrounded. who are his top people? Yeah. There's going to be Jews in his organization. He's going to be relying on uh, Jewish lawyers, Jewish accountants. He's going to have ties to uh, Jewish like el elements of power. Well, let's that he's not going to be able to break himself free from. Right, and he just to to, to really hammer that in. He was just uh, he went to the the World Cup game in Qatar with Jared Kushner of all people. Right. So, like, if you're, I mean, think we would do a thought experiment. If you're Elon Musk, and you are, are a convinced Hitlerist and anti-Semite, and you now are in a position where you want to, you think you have enough power to really swing your weight around and start pushing Jews out of power. What's the logical thing to do? The logical thing to do would be to find all the anti-Semites who are known public anti-Semites and start hiring them. Mm. Because then you know, okay, I know this guy is 100% good on the issues and he isn't going to sell out for money. So he's not going to sell out. Like if some Jew comes to him and says, hey, will you... Uh, sell me information on Musk that this person isn't going to do it. Right. That's the only way he could do that. Uh, this is sort of like the the thought experiment that we were all having when Trump first got into power, right? Why, or, or maybe a, a few months after Trump got into power, why didn't he just go and hire a bunch of people from the alt right to staff his administration? That would have ensured that the most radical version of his program had a chance of getting through. The but, problem with Trump is even <laughs> even if you all right, even if you assume that Trump had totally good intentions. We're speaking hypothetically here because right. I don't think he did. No, I, but let's I didn't vote for him. <laughs> let's assume that he had totally good intentions. Yeah. He, in order to actually implement a radical throw the immigrants out uh, policy, would have needed to start staffing the Justice Department with Nazis. Right. Uh, I mean, you would think he would hire even not even Nazis, just like Jared Taylor, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like just take Amran, take their whole, take any anybody who's on Amran staff or connected to Amran who's, who has a personal recommendation from people who are long uh, activists against uh, mass immigration and start staffing them through the entire Justice Department, purge anybody that opposes your position, uh, opposes the government's policy, the president's policy, right. and implement it. That didn't happen and it couldn't happen 
or it wouldn't happen uh, with anybody like a Donald Trump or an Elon Musk. All right. Well, um, and I mean, and and here's the other reason too, like there's a number of ways to approach the, the, what if we all just make money? Let's take the, the easiest one, which is why don't we just all make money individually? Right. Um, it is of course important to make money, to have resources for yourself and to be able to spread those around with your friends, um, you know, through honest means legally and all that. Yeah. That does give you some power. A Garth and meth lab. It gives, it gives you power, but the thing it doesn't give you is it doesn't really give you political power because if you've made that money if you become like a millionaire in the next year or two uh playing within the system you're again you're going to have the exact problem that musk has that you're not going to be able to then announce that you're an anti-semite and start giving out money only to political causes that you like people that are willing to actually go out and say the political thing that needs to be said uh you're going to have to give it to things that are operating um sort of clandestinely or using uh talking arounds um, mm. This is the, sort of the the reason that something like having a political movement based on a secondary issue other than uh, the Jewish problem right. will never work. Because if you, I mean, this has been what's what's been tried in American politics since the 1930s. You mean a single policy that isn't anti-Semitic. a single policy or a set of policies that are basically a lot of whites agree on and a lot of people would support. Uh, and, and making that your platform and ignoring the Jewish question totally. Oh, yeah, you that is a common one. That is what the right wing always falls for is the, why don't we just have a, a, a pistache of issues that people like? We don't mention the Jewish problem and then we try to and push forward And then as culture gets pushed by the opposite side that's ex, you know an extremist group or whatever the heck, you're just going to have the Overton window consistently being shifted, which we've seen consistently. Well, it's actually even more, more basic than that. You're going to have Jews in your organization. Well, yeah. Okay. How, are you, how are you going to keep out Jews if you're if all of your lieutenants are just um, hardcore reactionaries who don't see anything who are going to judge people based on their individual merits? And if he's a Jew who says that he supports white issues, I should have him in my organization. Well, my, I mean, base, my base black argument. Let me ask you: Does does the ADL do that? Does the ADL <laughs> no. say, well, I mean, this guy, he's he says he's a Nazi and he's pro white, but he's willing to put that aside um, to to take a paycheck and work for us? fuck no <laughs> fuck no could you imagine no no absolutely not they're not stupid so the jews wouldn't do that so why would we how are you going to have right. an alternate power block if you're going to build your power block on an on uh, assumptions that are false about power that the jews don't do themselves right no it makes sense uh so we'll take a, a less uh or a a better version of that argument which is the idea that we all make money together and then pool it right the collectivist the collectivist money. Well, that's good. And, and we definitely need to do that. But there's a specific precondition for that, which is you need to have a means of ensuring that that money is distributed to people according to their political utility. And utilized properly. So because like what's going to happen bad. there is there's going to be people who are what we call grifters. Oh, yes. Who rise up and who say, well, I am the one bringing in the most money. Therefore, I should get the most resources. Yeah. Even if their activity is not the most politically useful mm. and if it isn't that dangerous. So if they're doing something like, um, I don't know, running a, running a website. Right. Like, we need websites, of course. But running a website isn't the thing where if, if the guy who's running the website is making all the money and the guys who are going out in the streets, getting their asses kicked and getting thrown in jail just for, you know, legal political activity aren't getting any money. Well, now you have a problem of, of incentives. And right. Because so, you're going to want everybody's going to want to do 
website. Everyone's stuff. every everyone's going to want to do the things where they get the glory and the money. They're not going to want to do the thankless tasks where they get beat up and thrown in jail um, right. for legal political activism. Where the rest of the movement is saying "fuck you" and just and throwing them aside. Right. They should so go th- to a lawyer or something to get those guys out. Right. So you something. need you need a way to figure out how does the money go to the people who who are taking the most risk. Yeah, and, and and we're not talking like okay, well, you're a street activist. You, here's your million dollars, thanks, right? Yeah. Bro. We're talking like basics here. Yeah, like <laughs> we're being talking- able to survive, guys. Like you know, because we're not rich, and we know that. And no, no underground organization is ever going to have the money to make anybody within their ranks rich. It's right. all that it's, ideology. It's it's very similar to the correct um, administration of an of a military. Mm-hmm. A military does not say, okay, well, if you're the most, uh, if you're like the top ranking general you're going to get paid as much as like you're going to get paid billions of dollars yeah, no. like this it just creates bad incentives and then and you need you need to have some differentiation where people who have lower responsibility get a little bit less and have to work their way up to get paid more right but you basically have to everybody's getting paid like a small amount so that you're selecting for people who are idealists right. and who want to be there, who want to serve and want to take the risks, yeah. not for people who just want the money. Right. Like I want frontline soldiers that want to be there because they want to kill, not because they want a paycheck, you know, like, right. Because again, that's their job. They're supposed to be troopers in a military situation. Right. Yes. Right, 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 right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 well, I was saying, as you know, as, as the thing is frontline soldiers should, as, there should always be a military con- uh, concept uh, concept, but yeah, no, if, if you have to, you have to select for the people that are, that you want to do the thing. And I think that also comes down to just society in general about the concept of overpay. Like while we're talking, while we're doing a Christmas episode about consumerism and all this other fun stuff that's involved in that, um, I think that there does come to this concept of being over entitled for your pay. And it's like, we're losing all of our trade. And this goes to the same thing of just keeping society in general. We're losing all of our tradesmen, right? Because it's glamorized. You're going to make more money by doing some nine to five in a cubicle with like a, a four year, you know, college yeah, there's degree. No, there's no social, um, there's no social power in being a plumber. Right. But there is in being, um, you know, just some office drone in dc right and which is ridiculous because uh everybody needs a plumber right? right or like everybody needs a carpenter everybody needs the mason and stuff like that these 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 what people consider to be mundane or or, or glamorous jobs or whatever are actually the ones that keep all society going you know all the time and again prioritizing that in society and i think if, if we're going to have like political parties and everything else like that we need to explain these things to people that like yeah we do put the plumber and the mason before we put like the tech jockey right like, because again you're just plugging in code i'm sorry you have a cushy job it's easy and it's chill your incentive should just be the fact that you get to sit on your ass all day right like that you get paid for that like it doesn't matter how much you get the fact that you get paid to sit on your ass and plug numbers into a computer should that should be your incentive the other guy is down there in like a sewer or something like unclogging everybody's fucking drains and he's getting paid enough to live in a trailer that's not right like no. that that's bullshit like that dude literally ensures that your septic system works and that your city isn't like some medieval plagueville but it's actually you know? i mean this is sort of a false analogy just because you always society always needs plumbers and trash men yeah. and the money will be found to pay those guys yeah or so like be. if only if it the job sucks so much and is of such low social status that only you know one man in a million wants to do it one guy's gonna do it and he's gonna get paid a ton of money to do it we actually in, in politics Fair. though <laughs> where if we're if we're comparing plumbers to activists and uh te- tech jockeys to uh i don't know trade podcasters or something oh. <laughs> <laughs> well uh, it's a little bit different because if no one is willing to pay for the man on the street mm. to do the political work 
then he just doesn't get any money and you just don't have a political movement right he, there has to be some reason for it you know and not to say that you overpay these people either you know what i mean but like you gotta have give them a living wage yeah or something basic so yeah i mean what it, what it basically comes down to with the the money argument is i see there's a a uh with a lot of people a fundamental misunderstanding that it is not just a matter you cannot pay people based on what they are worth in a free economy you have to pay people based on what they are politically worth to the anti-system movement and the entire system is set up to ensure that it isn't economically viable to work against the system right so you have to arrange your organize yourselves in such a way that that money and and resources whether it be actual money or just time lawyers time um support medical help whatever people fucking need is going to the people who are doing the work that the system does not want to have done yeah true that's but and that's the thing it's like getting getting a hold of such organization understanding it uh, is, is another is another element there in general I, I think there while i think the issue is that with one of the big problems with this this uh this whole movement and, and whatnot not that we're going around nitpicking or anything but like there's a lot of philosophy but like, or there's a lot of philosophers but not a lot of a philosophy if that makes any sense like they there's a lot of things being said there's a lot of concepts being discussed but there's nothing that's ever there's nothing that breaks the mold there's nothing new nothing nothing really gets said i mean like some some things obviously within certain circles people i'm sure are saying things that are you know very profound or whatnot but um there's the, the rhetoric never seems to progress in an intelligible way which i find to be interesting like like we have we have all these thoughts that we keep rehashing them over and over again again like they, they have not the name groups or anything else like that but there's entire organizations that base their uh their entire model off of one basic type of rhetoric like you were saying like one of those models right we have to make money or we have mm-hmm. to do the this politic thing or this specific way of doing this that or the other like you know they they and they stay like that, like almost like a, almost like a cult-like mantra. A lot well, of let's—I mean, now you bring it up. Uh, secret societies. Why can't we? Right, yeah, can we start a secret society and then build up enough people in a secret society over time, and then be in a position where we can uh, take political power? Right, and that comes up too, even within our own groups. Is that right. like well, how do we have it, like a small cadre that leads the rest of the movement? Well, is it wrong though? Yeah. Why is it wrong? Well, that's the thing. Like I. Because why does secret society well, not work let's uh, let's start with right, how, secret societies how, in the past have worked right i mean the jews are effectively a, de- a secret society yeah to a degree but at, at the same time like there's a bunch of reasons why i wouldn't work i would say like there's the few reasons why i wouldn't work um is that you would have there's it's so it, for our race specifically because that's the thing about jews they're not they're not like us mentally right they have a completely different concept of morality than we do so there is automatically a conception of mistrust when it comes to secret societies in our race um white people naturally distrust a secret society unless they're in it right like that's mm-hmm. kind of usually how we work as a, as a as a as a group is that unless we're in the know it's foreign and therefore a threat of some kind it doesn't matter what it is is that we have we're a very we're a very animalistic race in that sense that whatever goes bump in the night does spook we us. like honest men right we do we like to be able to see our foes this is why the, that's why the, we're scared of the dark as a, as, a, as a race right we don't we don't like the unknown okay that's and, that's one good reason i've got another one uh you couldn't have a secret society uh take power among goyim specifically because you would have if you're if you're building a a anti-system secret society the problem is that the people who start the society are not necessarily the toughest and the bravest right 
And so when it comes down to a fight, you've built your entire society in the shadows. You've built it based on Being things like who, whoever is uh, willing to put in the most time to the secret society. The most who, cunning. Who is the most, uh, the most interesting, the most liked. There is no condition of pressure mm-hmm. that forces the worst people and the, uh, the, least, the less honest people, the less tough people down and brings up the better people. You need to have that open and continuing uh, struggle Hitler thing right. in order to sort the people correctly to ha- to find your officers, your generals, your NCOs, and your privates. Well, that's the thing is then usually, and most of the time, a secret society is not ordered like a military, you know, in, in that sense. Not well, to say, I mean, not to say can, that's mandatory, but it does help quite a bit when it well, comes I'm to... Well, I'm not talking about like your literal rank i'm talking about your your moral worth and your uh well no I mean, it was even in a normal in a normal military it's supposed to be that too like you're supposed to have that that true hierarchy right within it like and, and yes and, mil- and militaries do tend to have that when they've been through a number of wars over time yeah, real, real real wars guys yeah, I'll, give you, I'll give you another one um going back to the the italians in this book i just read talking it was the author is criticizing the Italian attitude where there's an attitude among the Italian elites in like, you know, the 1860s uh, when they're just after unification and they're going to uh, having a war with the Austrians in 1866. They, the Italians and the Prussians like teamed up to attack Austria in 1866. There was this attitude that Italy needs to have wars in order to become a stronger nation. And this attitude, I think, is essentially correct. Mm. Um it's it's a, a cold and brutal attitude. Um, I don't, you know, nobody wants to have wars. I think we can recognize that wars are bad and people dying is not good and, and yeah. so on and so forth. But it, I think it, it is it is simply realistic to say we need to have wars in order to build a stronger society. It tempered the Roman Empire. It tempers all empires, right? And the but I mean, as, as an Italian, you know, uh, juxtaposition. The the author, of course, is a, a Brit bong. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the overall is a good book, but he just had some like stupid things he says here and there. Uh, and he's like, oh, this is totally re- ridiculous. But then he gives, he's talking about the 1866 war, and then he's, he's talking, most of the book is about 1915, 1919. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that while Italy was fucked up in 1915, it was less fucked up than it was in 1866. <laughs> and it was right. less fucked up in 18, 1918 mm-hmm. than it was in 1915. Right. Like it got better. Uh, the, the organization of the military and of the whole society got better through these wars. Well, it's because, and, and you see this is because the more men that serve in military. Out of necessity. Military, well, right. Well, it's also just by nature because the more men that serve in the military and then get out of the military, they take that training with them back into regular life, like that order, right? The order and organization of how things are supposed to work and that trickles down into the businesses that they start, how they order these things right down mm-hmm. to the, the ground level. Even, and then it, that translates into their households. Their sons act like that and they go to school like that and it becomes like a cultural thing that's the same thing that happened to prussia right where there's this constant militarism within society yeah prussia um, was a joke in like 16 you know the 1600s no you're right like it was it was a, it was like a, a disorganized you know medieval knights hodgepodge of you know clusterfuck of dudes that went around beating people with, with swords like and it, from that though but because they tempered themselves to the military over time they became one of the most you know efficient things to the point where now the entire german civilization is like clockwork well, you know and, and look at um you know, yeah, look at look at the 400 years of Roman contact with the Germans. The Germans, yeah. when Caesar met them, were just getting their asses, their their shit pushed in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Caesar built a bridge across the Rhine in like you know 10 days, marched yeah. across, like beat the shit out of everybody casually, walked back, <laughs> no big deal. But 
50 years later, the Germans were, able, were just organized enough. The tribes had just been able to, to work together enough and start figuring out who the real leaders were to annihilate three legions. Which is insanity at the time. Which is amazing. <laughs> um, and then, you know, that wasn't enough to, like, start raiding into Roman territory. Right. But it took hundreds of years. Bigger and bigger coalitions formed. By the time of Marcus Aurelius, he was fighting the Germans for 20 years. Uh, and and yeah. big wars and, and losing, you know, the Roman Empire was struggling just to keep the Germans out. And by the third, uh, by the third century, fourth century, like they were regularly pushing in. And by uh, you know the early fifth century, they they overwhelmed it. Right. Those the so, end. yeah, it's it's you you can only under conditions of struggle build stronger political entities. Mm-hmm. And you know we're not an ancient Germanic tribe. We're a a a political entity, a a mini state in a way within the greater Zog uh, Empire. Right. Uh, and. The only way to build up our strength is by open confrontation with the system. Right. I you know, disagree because you have to have that tempering. You have to have that the wetting of the of the blade. It's just, a, it, you know, you're not wrong. And the, we, the ancient Germans didn't go, didn't send immigrants into the Roman Empire to all like push for Christianity in order right. to weak, weaken Romans' morals in a long game secret <laughs> society thing to collapse Rome. Wait, I think there was another group that did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but no, and then, okay, so to, 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 to go on that though, just as another example for the viewers or whatever of a civilization that tempers itself through fire and then becomes great, um, and then peters out after a while of success and prosperity, uh, we don't talk about often, Sweden. Sweden was a powerhouse at one point in time. And they were, you know, a massive empire in the north where they were able to, to, you know, put troops into the mainland of Europe a few times and do, you know, a bunch of stuff. And they conquered most of the, you know, most of the, the peninsula and everything else like that. And they, through, through years and years and years, hundreds of years of tempering themselves through violence, uh, you know, like the whole Viking raids for throughout the Middle Ages and whatnot, tempering themselves into being a, a viable um not necessarily a colonial power, but they did. They did kind of do that. I think they had. They actually had some colonial. But they were stuff in, in a Africa. way the strongest state in Europe, or at least uh, a top power from you know sixteen early sixteen. They were. They were a superpower of Europe. Yeah, for like they, within Europe, they were definitely a superpower for a while. Um, and because it, it, again, they had so many years and years and years of fighting and fighting and fighting, and then they became this powerhouse. But then again, the problem with that being is that you get a lethargy, right? Like a predatory lethargic system, where you are so powerful and potent, nobody can come screw with you, and then you just kind of dwindle over time because you know your society doesn't have that that fighting spirit anymore when the not there sweden had just reached peace to the point where they you know well now they've killed themselves but yeah i mean i think the point's been made like it 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 any any way you look at history whether it be fights between nation states or competitions for power within states yeah which you know do or don't result in open violence we're, we're not necessarily talking about a civil right. war here we're talking about any- but there are there are political style civil wars too not necessarily open conflict civil wars but there's again this the concept of, of building up you have two parties or two concepts right that, that build and build like right now there's you mentioned earlier there's no way to separate or or to meld the republican and democratic parties like there's no way for those to become smashed into one by the enemy or like by to consolidate power against a third party Right, so like if you have, if we did come, to, you know, to power with one third of the, of the electorate, and the other two parties were separated, there's no way for the enemy to, well, to, what, what to would combine that. In that situation, would be the the uh, the Cuck Republicans and the Dem- the Jews would try to form a coalition out of, out of the remnants, right? So they would try to to string something together with a a bunch of Republicans. They would they would keep doing the sort of gay ops that they're always doing to keep as many whites out of the true 
anti-system movement as possible. And they would try to keep it together. But I'm just, I mean, there's a particular situation that they would have a very difficult time, given all the propaganda that they've done and all the brainwashing they've done over the last 50, 100 100 years. years, They had a very hard time getting Swipple bohemian liberal whites to work with uh, working class country Christian whites they would have a very hard time, even the yeah. ones who weren't willing to join uh, the anti-system movement, right? right We're yeah. assuming that there are some who are who don't want to go all the way. Right. They would have a very hard time getting those people to work together. Yeah. Which let is, alone with with the minorities. Well, this is the thing, though, is that because and they, they know that it was because they did it themselves. They did this thing that you're exactly talking about, where they tempered these two groups within it within a system, right? Like two microsystems within a system have been tempered against each other in basic little or basically political civil war for a hundred years to the point where now they can never be one. Like they have basically driven a rift into the system to the point where it's irreparable. Um, which you know again becomes problematic in that sense but it's going it, it will erupt in some way not necessarily in physical violence but it will erupt in one one dominating over the other at this point in time there's no way to, to reconcile what's going on let's uh, address another uh possible way of ma- making mass political change and this is the idea of infiltration oh okay so first of all infiltration in a way is actually even an easier thing to argue against than secret society because secret society mm-hmm. is infiltration right yeah well secrets i guess secret society we should define it can as, be secret society could be we're going to build a secret society and then infiltrate or it could be we're going to build a secret society get enough people under our control and then announce ourselves yeah like we're gonna as george lincoln rockwell says then we'll we'll spin those Jews around and show them what we have in mind. <laughs> you know, yeah. What the smile off their face. Uh, but yeah, you. Kind and, of, and sorry, that was Rockwell making fun of this idea, right? Because yeah, obviously he wouldn't. So let's let's say let's just say infiltration in its own right. Like, why right. can't we do what the Jews did, where basically we uh whites who understand what the problem is get themselves into position of power i would say positions of power uh, from just my perspective or whatever it's a, it's one of psychology where we're not dealing with the same enemies they are dealing with right to, to them we're the enemy and they have to study their enemy in totality the same with us so we have this problem in this in psychology they, they call it basically it's projection right um but it's it's kind of like a positive projection rather than negative where you pot you you project your positive qualities onto even your even your adversaries um so all this concept of like oh there's altruism and also there's stuff that's like no not every race deals with altruism that's just not a thing like you're not going to get uh you're not going to get sympathy out of these other races right especially jews the ones that are doing all this crap to us they have no sympathy for us if they did they wouldn't be doing this um but so there's we're not going to be able to infiltrate what like the, the 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 jewish elite or whatever with secret societies and all this other stuff because the only way that they were able to pull that off is to play our nature against us they were able to you know get in and, and make people sad and sorrowful and 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 guilty and all this other stuff these people don't have guilt or sorrow or sadness about what they're doing to us they don't care and neither do the other races they've been conditioned against us to completely hate us for whatever you know reason one way or the other you know choose a choose a reason to hate whitey um, i mean they, they they do have their own it is in their own interests to hate us and be for themselves, of course. Oh, but right, but yeah. you're not wrong to say the Jews have also pushed them that oh, way. Oh, yeah. Even when they have made it yeah. way worse than it normally would be, right? Like, normally you're supposed to have a conflict between predators and, and for space and resources and stuff. That's natural, right? But the fomented hate is is not normal um, because 
there's not as much interaction as like they're, they're i mean yeah there's colonialism and all this other stuff but it's nowhere near as bad as people have made it out to be right through propaganda yeah and most of these most of these old colonial states actually enjoyed like their colonialism they they liked it like they were like yeah we don't hate these people or whatever the thing was that you know in the past or you listen to uh interviews with africans or whatever over in in dark places of the continent and they're like yeah we don't we don't really the french brought us choo-choo trains thank you france it's literally that they're <laughs> like yeah we don't really hate them like we speak their language they were like our mentors blah 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 Sorry, they're like, they're like our mentors and all kinds of stuff, and they were really, you know, they have a different view on on that kind of stuff. So the, the fomented hate is is manufactured for the most part, but that's another reason why we're not going to be able to infiltrate them is well, because they, there's no the, the the same reciprocal empathy is not present in the races that we're, we're that we would be trying to infiltrate. It's a totally different species. So the method of attack so is Jew, different. Jews are going to keep. Uh, Aryans out, whereas Aryans are going to let Jews in. Right. If Jews well, are in power, they now. will they will keep Aryans out. Yeah. Aryans will will let Jews in because of our because of our altruism or whatnot. Well, that's a good that's a good example I've, or a good good reason. I have a better one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, the real the the other reason is that it, what is it that will be holding these? Well, I, maybe it's not really a different one. What will be holding these Aryans together? If you all, if all of us go and say, okay, well, I'm going to be a crypto Nazi and uh, uh, infiltrate, and he the, does not mean with NFTs, the Jewish system. <laughs> I'm going to get up and to be a, um, you know, a, a, a big player in business or a minister of government or something like that. And then once I'm there, I can find. I will know where all the other, you know smart Aryans are who, who <laughs> share my issues and then we can start to work to get even even higher that's not going to work for a couple reasons one is what is the method of con- of coordination between all of these people Jews have a method of coordination it, it, it Jews have methods of coordination in that they're all Jews and they all know who the other Jews are right they we, all go to synagogue we have not they over- also have a language that we don't speak there's there's that yeah. Um, they have a common identity and, and common things, and they, they know who the other Jews are. They know that if I get to a position in business or in government, I need to help the other Jews out, and they're going to do that. And that if, if something goes wrong for them, that the, if uh, they get, like, you know, Bankman freed, they get yeah. – <laughs> they, uh, their, their, their Ponzi scheme collapses that, you know, Jewish lawyers are going to be there to help them. Although perhaps not a good example, I think he's uh, he's getting fucked right now because he's fucked over too many Jews. But well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, point point being, Jews have a means of telling who the other Jews are, and so if Jews do the infiltration against a goyish system, they're able to work with each other to keep promoting themselves farther and farther in. We do not have that now. If you had a secret society, you could say, well, if we have a secret society of Aryans, we could maybe coordinate between each other. But then you start running into that money problem that I was talking to earlier and that status problem. How do you decide who gets the glory and who gets the money for the political activity that you're doing? And it is far e- and and this there's a, a the other issue here that really that that prevents you from coordinating is it is far easier to subvert a system than it is to build a new one. Mm-hmm. Now, what I mean by that is it's very easy when you have a just political order to get in, to work, get into positions of power by saying things like, well, I'm going to give you more of a nice thing that you like. I'm going to give business more immigrants. I'm going to give uh, the military more weapons and more wars to fight so they can get more glory. I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give uh, faggots uh, more... 
butt sex. More, 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 more lust boys and butt sex. <laughs> lust get, boys. <laughs> yeah, that's the German word for it, you know. Oh for catamite. Oh, is it really? Lustknabe. <laughs> Isn't that good? That's awful. <laughs> God. <laughs> but you, you, when you're, when you are playing the Jewish game of infiltration, it's much easier to get yourself up into a goyish society by these means because you're giving people, you're playing to their base uh, instincts. You're playing to, you're giving them what they want. Right. When you're a Nazi, you're saying. We're going to give you tough love. You're not going to want this. You're not going to... Uh, you immigrants are not going to want to be kicked out, but it's going to be better for you in the end. It's right. going to be better for us in the end. All of these things are a hard sell. <laughs> yeah. It's much easier to tell people, well, we're going to give you, uh, you know, degeneracy and drugs and fun and money right. and whatever. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Woo! So, it, it's... it From a... It is one thing to have a, a liberal or Jewish... Uh, overthrow system. We see this all the time with the CIA, like color revolutions and gay ops. This mm. is how they do it. They just go to the people in that country and promise them all these things, and they can get a faction of them to want to subvert their own government. Right. Because it is in their short-term interests to cooperate with Jewish power, but it is in their lo- it is bad in their long-term interests. But they just find the people who are thinking short-term, and if the people who are thinking long-term are badly coordinated and can't fight back against it. Then the short-term faction wins. Jews win. Right, happens every time. It's the it's the the low IQ advantage there for thinking short. So term. yeah, it, it's it's a coordination problem. Mm. Uh, let's say I mean let's play this out a little bit more. Let's say you've got a guy who is uh, knows about the Jewish problem, everything. He's he's totally solid. He wants he's willing to like go out there and do it. Let's say he gets to be minister of justice. Mm. Uh, sec- what do they call it in this stupid country? Um, attorney general. Oh yeah. Uh, let's say he becomes, I, I don't know why we don't just call everything minister this or that. Yeah, that makes we're, we're gonna ch- we're gonna change that. I'm sick of these yeah. stupid <laughs> fake names. Uh, <laughs> minister of Justice. Right. How does he? How does he implement his program? It's the same problem with Donald Trump becoming president, or the same and, and implementing an anti-immigration program. It's the same problem with Elon Musk. If he you know wanted to implement a, a anti-Jewish uh, program, he's who are his underlings? He doesn't have a core of people under him who he knows he can rely on. Mm. He just has, he has the theory, he has the authority, but he doesn't really have the power to actually tell those people, hey, we're going to cut out all of these domestic terrorism, like fake fucking investigations, and we're actually going to enforce laws that matter. He can't do that because all of the middling people, they know that they get promoted, that this guy is probably only going to be there for a few months when he, before he gets kicked out by his superior for, for coming in with this conservative reaction, quote unquote, reactionary position. They know that he's done. Their, their long game is best played by continuing to promote more immigration, more attacks on, on whites, more uh, you know terrorism investigations, because that's how they get promoted. And one dude isn't going to change that. Even if you had 10 dudes in the Ministry of Justice. Not enough. Who, it's not enough. How do they coordinate? How do they know who the other guy is? How do they have trust with one another? If I order, it's also my, if, I order if I'm minister too. and I order my my deputy, hey, fire that faggot. Like that guy is is breaking, he's not following our policy. I want to get rid of him. What do you have? Richard Nixon tried this. We don't even need to like ask theoretically, how does this happen? This we hap- know how it happens. <laughs> it happens all the time. Nixon tried this when um, they had that, Investig- uh, the, the Watergate investigation, yep. the D- Department of Justice's uh, special investigator uh, was was going and, and doing a, a complete political uh, 
coup against uh, against Nixon, Trump, Nixon, whatever. <laughs> and Nixon said, okay, well, I'm going to fire the secretary of, uh, he told the, the secretary of, or the, the minister, attorney general. Minister of Defense. Top lawyer. Minister just calling him top lawyer. He called yeah. top, top lawyer, top fire lawyer. that asshole. <laughs> top lawyer says, <clears throat> um, fuck you, sir, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And then he, Nixon went to the second guy. Okay, you, go fire that dude. Um, uh, yeah, not feeling it, bro. He got down to like number three or four. It was Bork. Remember Bork? Robert Bork? I hate his name. He got down to freaking Bork and said, fire the special uh, prosecutor. Bork said, yes, sir. Jawohl, mein Führer. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And did it. And while they fired him, they still got rid of Nixon. Right, Bork, yeah. Bork never got to be a, he later um, was nominated for the Supreme Court by Reagan, I think it was, um, got kicked out or got rejected by Congress specifically for that. Yeah, I bet, yeah. For following orders as he was supposed to do, as he was professionally obligated to do, constitutionally obligated to do under the system. So, in other words, like we have examples of people trying to act honestly of within the system. Why can't we just reverse engineer the neocon Jewish takeover of America because we're not Jews is right. the short answer. It's true though. Yeah. Like the differentiation between the different predators in the game. And that's what we need to realize too, is that, you know, are you saying, uh, are you comparing, uh, Aryans to predators and other races to predators? And are you, are Jews a predator in this or are they a, some well, other biological a, type? They're like a, a parasite predator is a thing, right? Like we, okay. Harkening back to our Halloween episode a vampire is kind of a predator, right? <laughs> it's still parasitic, but it's still predatory. You know, right. it's like a, it's, I don't know what you'd call it, like a predecessor. So the Aryans are the lions, the, let's say the Hispanics are the wolves, the blacks are <laughs> hyenas. <laughs> no, I would, I would say that, I would and say what are the, the Jews in this, like what, what natural I would thing? say the Arabs are the lions and Ooh. yeah, Ooh. and the reason <laughs> being is because, well, the Arabs <laughs> like, the Arabs have harems, right? And so does a male lion. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So if we're going to go on like the real biological things. That's why Europeans are wolves. We fight like dogs all oh, the right. time. We do. We are wolves. Yeah. And then we go, you know, rogue all the time. It's like, you know, lone wolf is a, is an ancient concept. It's just the, it's like, well, fuck you. I don't want to be part of this pack i'm gonna go do my own damn thing you know and they run off and do their own thing um you know as far as other predatory animals are concerned you have like the well i don't know there's there's all different ones you could you could pick for funny for funny reasons <laughs> okay but what are jews though oh jews would definitely uh well it's the thing it's like you can't like i don't want to insult vampire bats right like because like they're cute and cool and whatnot but and you can't say, i mean like, jews are some kind of like super predator that is powerful and sucks your blood right but they're, like they're a, not like a tapeworm well are right they? well no because like unlike this as it's the, more it's more it's more deadly than that like i don't know maybe they're heartworms or something but like they no, they have to be something bad anyway the point is, is that that the, yeah like my point that i usually make about this is that we have to look at everything as as basically as nature intended like all we are predators right we're a predatory animal and so you have to look at the competition between the races as uh basically predatory animals you know against each other in, in nature and, and uh, fighting for resources space land uh females all these different things that matter as far as how to you know how to how to do your biological imperative which is which is cell division right the eugenic cell division is the biological imperative that's the whole purpose of life um well, we're in this Christmas thing about giving life and everything else like that. But the biological imperative is to just self-divide self um, eugenically. 
And so you you will have all these different conflicts based on you know different pr- groups of predators getting larger and you know smaller and moving into other territories and whatnot. You see with other groups of animals too, like lion prides will fight amongst each other for control of certain territories, and they literally have real pissing contests where they'll pee on things, right, and say this is mine. Um, uh, I'd imagine at some point in time human beings did something similar, like where we would you know I don't know pee on something or whatever and be like yeah this obviously smells like you know josh or whatever right like so it's obviously his house <laughs> like so we don't go screw with it um so what but, jared kushner did when he got to the white house right he probably pissed all over everything yeah like, <laughs> it's mine he's like oh. they'll never know all the fixtures are gold anyway and then he just pees everywhere but <laughs> so you know that's i i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt it like if you have you know you have certain predators that do certain things um you can see this obviously a lot with blacks uh, you go into like ghettos and hoods and whatnot. They they and they they have the best example of it in as far as modern or or advanced hominids are concerned, uh, because they will do the gang thing in a very prominent way. Like we kind of do it with, like biker gangs and stuff with tattoos and whatnot. But like mm-hmm. the blacks do it the most obviously. Um, I guess the the Mexicans do too. Like the tribal the tribal yeah, the tribal have. natives do yeah. too because they're they're still very tribal. Like they will have the the gang colors and symbols and everything else like that and they do it like hey, get off my hood i say and they'll the, you know they'll fight over one street you know and the same thing with blacks in like detroit or whatever so you have like all these great representations of these animals fighting for and they goes what do they fight for they are very similar in groups it is like two like okay we'll go we'll, we'll do we'll do detroit for detroit. well I'm, I'm triggered that you're comparing humans to animals uh it's almost as if you assume that biology applies to people as well as animals oh yeah i know it's just a taboo thing we can't talk about that right <laughs> that's but uh, yeah human beings are exempt uh from evolution sorry darwin yeah you, well, with, with that you know with that caveat human beings are exempt from evolution uh right. we'll, we'll carry on with this uh, discussion right yeah yeah <laughs> we're all the same everybody's equal. i believe in liberalism yeah. <laughs> so okay in detroit um you would have like one like one block on the same on the same street you'd have multiple blocks but each block would have a different gang or whatever that runs it and stuff like that you see this in jamaica and other types of black areas like ghana um nigeria wherever Anytime you see, you know, a mass poverty and, and, and blacks fending for themselves, they'll do it in a very chimp, chimpanzee style way uh, where they will fight over the same resources. They'll fight over the access to the drugs, to the weapons, uh, to the females, uh, to uh, even, even to social spaces. Like, so uh, two gangs will fight over rights to who can, uh, you know, inhabit a specific club right. or something like that. Right. So like all these different things are just indicative of, of predators enacting their nature and whatnot and so uh yeah like this is the the big the big scam to the whole world is that it's literally just a bunch of predators fighting for resources so it's like the biggest ones in the block at this point in time are the europeans the jews uh and the asians right like or the the big the big major ones that are that are vying for this kind of stuff then you have periphery races that are kind of like hodgepodge like the russians and the portuguese or then the portuguese the brazilians and whatnot they have like but that's more like just like a hodgepodge thing crept up or like but if you want real races that are on the fringes like the russians or the arabs and things like that now currently there was other ones before that obviously were more prominent the arabs used to be much more of a prominent race um i would imagine they probably got jude at some point in time like the egyptians or anybody else like that so like us we got jude and so the the arabs are definitely getting jude in spain right the uh yeah like in cordoba and whatnot but this and this that's the thing is like eventually eventually the wolf gets heartworms right (laughs) and it unfortunately dies of of not anything glorious or cool it doesn't even go out in a a blaze of of blaze of glory with the bear right it doesn't it just kind of just crawls off into a corner somewhere and just dies sadly or whatever okay so point being (laughs) point being is that um while while we're all 
like we that's like that is the point so we have to we have to look at, at everything in a predatory way and then how how do you apply that to politics how do you apply that to uh social interactions and everything else like that like i think that we have to i think that the biggest problem with the world today is that we've lost this touch with reality and with nature to the point where we can't interact with other races or other groups based on what they are we, we try to do this projection nonsense. And I think this is a racial problem specifically for whites is that where I, I said it earlier, where we have this problem of positive projection on other races where we, we say, oh yeah, they're just as empathetic as we are. Or yeah, they just, they understand religion the same way we do or spirituality. Or they're willing to act as an individual right within our society right exactly not. where they they can just seamlessly fit into our society like they like like this whole again with we're, we're talking about christmas like yeah if you just give blacks white jesus and white santa claus and christmas trees and shit all of a sudden they'll be completely fucking civilized like that's yeah, nonsense. Well, I'll, um this is a discussion that we had years ago um about minority groups in america and i, I do i'm going to get back to the uh some more political objections because i have a couple more of course of course but the the high IQ minorities are just as dangerous as the low IQ minorities. In fact, maybe more dangerous. And we'll we'll leave the Jews out of this discussion for a second because right. they're a special case. But uh, Indians and uh, East Asians, mm-hmm. when they come into the West, and this is like a problem that a lot of conservatives and actually all conservatives and a lot of uh, uh, racialists don't understand, is that. Asians in the West act as a group. They, yes. So Asian, when you're an Asian in America, you're hitting up all the other Asians. You're getting your business contacts through them. You're able to. You have you're, quick you example, have the ability to like, cons, to consolidate resources by working together. Yeah. Um, much more so than whites do because whites are like, well, just we're individuals and like, hey boy, like you need to go out there and get a job for yourself. Why and do you think there's I'm, I hired this everywhere. nice Asian. I hired this nice Asian who's getting help from his family. And, right. And he's <laughs> he's you know socking away tens of thousands every year because he's he's got it figured out and his family's got it figured out meanwhile you dumb fucking uh anglo boomer sorry anglos uh (laughs) you're still operating on this assumption that like well uh it's not a racial competition it's just an individual competition and therefore i should treat my son like an individual and i should treat other whites as individuals and not give them favoritism because i need to give i should just treat everybody as an individual right well you lose right and now there's chinatowns in all your major cities you can you can have individualism when you are a racially homogenous a, a one race group yeah. nation well it's the thing is and, and they colonized so, like the, um, so Brazil surprisingly we go back to that little funny caveat of a country or whatever um, Brazil has the highest uh, diaspora of the Japanese outside of Japan they have a giant Japanese community in Brazil specifically Sao Paulo and the, it's they they do have those communities where it's like it is like I don't know if, if any of our listeners have been to Chinatown in like uh dc or philadelphia there's even chinatown in montreal uh there's chinatowns all over the place and if you go into these places right they will just be chinese everywhere like you're not there's a lot of places in those in those those uh like restaurants in those areas in those districts that don't have anything in english they completely just isolate themselves and colonize areas by doing this this stuff and then guess what if you move here from china or japan you got a job like you have you know you have a job you have a job you have a community you have like all of your social stuff it's basically just a transplant and they, they just they cut out the little piece of china and they put it over here and they and it's starting to grow and you know that's 
why we don't do we we used to do that kind of or whatever the heck you know we did colonialism but even then it was a, each individual colony for itself and then no one really you know unified to create a network across the planet like they do here like all the chinatowns in the united states basically all buy people don't know this they all buy from the same uh, chinese uh companies like they like basically all of the all of the noodles that are bought from east coast uh, chinese restaurants are all bought from one or two suppliers like all of them like if you go to one chinese restaurant that's like you know kung pao's whatever the hell dragon on a wall kind of restaurant in in new york and you go down to florida and eat at some completely unrelated chinese restaurant chances are you're eating the exact same noodles because they have from the same supplier that's how interwoven these networks are and why we aren't doing this like oh no i gotta have my own you know vegan yeah i mean i've just brought that up to point out the the uh falsity of thinking well we can uh we should treat you know blacks and 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 hispanics and arabs are a problem but chinese and like indians aren't oh right yeah i mean i I think our listeners understand that Mm -hmm. um and maybe but they i don't think a lot of even nazis understand how ruthless and how strong these networks are oh yeah like asians and and indians really work together they do not let they they go to church or whatever they call church they all are (laughs) talking to each other like hey man oh you need you need uh you need a new tv like i got a place like you know come 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 to my store i'll give you like a fucking discount yeah uh you need this you need that oh like oh he's a doctor he's a lawyer like you you know I'll, i'll hook you up they're doing that and on the with the hispanics and the blacks it's much lower level with the hispanics yeah. it's like hey ohms uh come down to home depot with me i, I got you man <laughs> like get you on a discount man <laughs> like uh i mean i mean it's sort of a joke but like this is this is why you as a young white man can't get a fucking job doing like basic labor par- perhaps in a lot of places yeah because because the hispanics are gonna muscle you out right like their and boss will be hispanic and, and you're, you're gonna you're, get yeah. you don't have that that group and your parents aren't gonna say oh you know uh yeah son i'll i'll, I'll get you a job i mean some some places still that happens but yeah. lesser with whites now oh than yeah hispanics and that's with a, blacks oh yeah with blacks <laughs> the way they do it is They've got the uh, the lockdown on the Gibbs. Yeah. So it's not even just the fact that the Jews or liberal whites give money to blacks. It's also the black ladies are working at the DMV and at the uh, and they're like, oh place. sweetheart, come here, I'll get you all the money you need. <laughs> and, and yeah, they talk to you and they like, oh, this is a white guy, fuck him. Yeah. Oh. But I mean, not necessarily. No, yeah. so, if you talk, if you, you do get more it right, gifts from the blacks than other races. You the black, you the can. blacks are usually, or the the southern black lady is usually the nicest to the whites outside of the other racial groups. Like they'll be like, especially if, especially if you're like, ma'am, I have no idea. Especially, if, yeah, just do southern with them, right? Right, just right. Call but them on, on a, like, ma'am, on a, please, you know, and they'll be but like, on the oh, big honey, scale, gotcha. though, on the big scale, right, blacks yeah. are able to get the gibbs in a way much faster much more easily oh, yeah. than whites are because like, they, they they're in the system they're in the system and they know the system and they've been living off the system and they and they, they, and they just go to you know they go to grandpa or, or i mean i guess grandpa's not around because dad's not around <laughs> they go to they go to, <laughs> they go to mom and she says mom. man you gotta go down to the you just gotta go get your <laughs> get your unemployment bon queef got you <laughs> just go down there and sign up she my friend like, she, they know the deal like whites we gotta go oh i guess uh go on google and see how i uh can apply for yeah you gotta go through the whole no, and you got You That's have another to, thing. You, you want to talk about group you as cohesion? A white have to go through all the damn steps to do it. Yeah. Um. You don't have that like social uh, knowledge right. among your peers to figure it out. And that's a now. Thing. That's not saying that you can't beat it. You can. Well, you but, can. Yeah. 
but blacks do have that advantage they really much do and but while we're on the christmas thing about giving to your fellow white or whatever the hell this whole culture of the mud like of, of the millennials and plus and these all these guys now where it's just like if some, if one of your friends asks you a question that, that you pot like you know the answer to more than likely don't be a lazy piece of shit and say oh google it no tell them the answer so that we can have these these connections that that the other races seem to have right, like, I, I i'm infuriated whenever i hear uh oh just figure it out it's like dude do you we, know we've all, we all like, been figuring shit out the whole fucking time. We need to get the advantage of collective knowledge. Yeah. So if just, you are the guy who knows the thing, just tell me. And somebody comes <laughs> to you and says, "Hey, you figured this out. What do you? What do I do?" You say, "Look, this is how I did it." I mean, people have asked me about, um, you know, just basic stuff about like, well, shit. You know, how do you deal with the legal system? I'll I'll, I'll say, well, this, I mean, I can't give you a definitive answer, but I can yeah, share my experience. Yeah, a lot. You know? <laughs> give you the, the kinds of things you need to look for and whatever. Like, I, I'll share that. Yeah, you, you give people piecemeal advice if you can. You know, like whatever whatever information you could possibly give is infinitely better than just hey, Google it. Like, and, and that, that's on. the the advantage that we are starting to get as a movement is we are starting to build up that that group knowledge and and starting to share it more with each other so we are yeah. getting stronger in in that uh that way so we we have improved since 2016 very much in that regard yeah and that's it's good though because like we also are having more and more like well we used to have a lot but now it's being rebuilt after the fall of of after, you know charlottesville basically afterwards everything got purged from the internet um we lost so many you know files and and archives and stuff from the different chat groups that have been nuked throughout the years but we're starting to finally get uh, that repository of information built back up again, you know, with all the free uh, book, uh, like all the all the free books that are out there, you know, like the PDFs and everything, videos, movies, whatever, all kinds of things out there, uh, just archives of stuff, which is good that we need more of that. But yeah, so in the, for anybody listening to this, if you are one of those humbug people that just says, you know, Google it to somebody and you have all the answers, don't be that guy. Just give, just tell people stuff. Because again, it's not, it, we have to get out of this mentality that we're having competitions between each other. Like, that's a big deal. Like, people, the only reason to, to, to with, withhold information like that is because you want to be able to hold it as power over somebody else for some right. other reason. These guys are your brothers. Well, a lot, like, in a lot of cases, it's, um, well, I need to get paid. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, we all fucking do. Yeah, but uh, it's like, dude, just give the information out because you're not going to get paid for it right now anyway. Like, it's just sitting there. You're just collecting dust with this thing. And it's like, just use it. Just freaking use it for some good. Because somebody else could actually utilize it to an advantage that you're obviously not using it for. Um, just just give up the information. And it's... it. I can understand, like, if somebody's asking you to teach them, like, you know, a one-month class on, like, you know, editing videos or something. Okay, sure, yeah, pony up a little bit or something. Help the guy out that's, you know... Don't be one of those people that's trying to ask for infinite information from people without giving something back in return, you know? yeah, I mean... This all should be obvious, but uh, right. I, I think it is to a lot of people. But we, I always feel like we have to in before things because somebody will say, "But you're deferring that we have to." It's like no, right, no, just no, oh my god, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing. Like, there's like, uh, the obvious has to be said, and I think it's it's good to to rebase yourself on on days like this. Again, it's Christmas, so rebasing ourselves on on what you know it gets the point of tradition and going back to the roots of things this is why you bring in the christmas tree because it's it's just an evergreen it's a thing that represents life through death and you have to have that that kind of rebirth every once in a while so go back revisit all these basic ideas and whatnot and be brotherly to your brothers well the thing i like about the christmas tree you know is it is a little bit of effort to go get one and mm-hmm. there's there's sort of some people think ah, i don't you know i need to sell the same dumb thing every year like i'm not going to do that but 
it really does christmas is the one real connection that all of us still have to our childhoods right uh yes it is <laughs> you know it's the one time a year where you really have strong memories from childhood and you go through the process of doing those things that you did as a child mm. and it really um you know sort of keeps your identity together of your whole life and the other great thing about the christmas tree like it does you know some people say oh it's irrational like why do we just why, why a tree is so stupid well no it isn't it it's profoundly rational mm -hmm. you're cold it's dark uh winter sucks you get depressed because it's dark earlier and earlier and there's less light and everything's like at a, at a low pace well you bring in a tree because you have a little bit of nature in your room yeah you it celebrates life and, yeah uh it just it it does really it 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 um elevates my mood for sure yeah no i agree i can't live without christmas it's my favorite holiday of the year i i don't have just one tree i have multiple trees in the house i'll keep them all if i could bring the whole forest and i would uh but no christmas christmas is is immensely important and again it's also that one tie for all whites around the world to remember european heritage like it's it's the we're the one that's our holiday like that is literally our holiday that is a european tradition it's it's, yeah, it's not, an Aryan race holiday it is it's like it's it's the whitest holiday and that's why the jews hate it so much obviously because it's like there's nothing that can supplant it that's why they try to make like black sand and everything else even the blacks don't want to have black santa because they know it's bullshit so like it's yeah it, it's just, it, it this is Uncle clearly Rufus that's bringing them the, the right goods. it's, it's, it's a white, white boy man. yeah <laughs> a fat white man coming down the chimney to give me some gifts and that's fine you know let them have that like if they if they want to they want to partake but it is a, it's, it is our holiday it's a white holiday so always celebrate it make sure it's the biggest thing too so this brings us to why we need a mass movement why this is the only logical solution and you know it, it it might not seem this way to a lot of people but for those of us who have been in this for a long time uh a lot of us have been thinking for years about these problems nonstop. like mm. this isn't just some some casual conclusion we came to and it isn't something like a lot of people uh you know come into this stuff and they say well why don't you just do this why don't you just do this it's like well uh, probably because that's been thought of and it hasn't worked or because it it wouldn't work or there's just a number of reasons why like based on all the experiences that we've had to put ourselves through yes like and and a mass movement is of course it i'm not saying this is an easy solution uh, <laughs> no, no there is there is no easy solution but yeah. it's the only reasonable solution to the problem of how do you do the things that you want to have done in American politics and in uh, the politics of the entire Western world. And so I've said this before, but I'll, I'll say it again, um, just because I, I know not everybody's heard everything I've said and whatever, but uh, <laughs> the way I, I see this playing out, imagine you've got a NJP administration, uh, you know, pick a year. <laughs> in, in let's say let's say 2035 right you have full njp administration you have the president and you have a a third let's say a third no sorry we got two-thirds of senate and two-thirds or and, and half of congress so this is the this is the max this is what you need in a democracy to have total power theoretically right, right. under the constitution i'm not talking practically now yeah Theoretically, this is what you need. And like the Republicans have had this, the Democrats have had this at various points and, and they actually never fulfill their programs, right? I mean, we this is something you always see in American politics is uh, there will be a period of time where like Obama has the presidency and they've got uh, the Democrat, his party has control. They could just start passing immediately um, 
all the the fag marriage they want all the gibs for everybody they could act they always deliver on the bullshit and they never deliver on the things that actually would help people right <laughs> so the democrats will give you the faggot stuff but they won't give you the free uh, they won't give you they won't give rail workers a day off of work uh, yeah, like, <laughs> or the republicans will give you uh we're gonna have the we're gonna go fight them ching chongers we're gonna go fight yeah. china they'll, they'll give you some bullshit foreign policy stuff and then they'll say yo fuck you uh but uh, on on any any social stuff that you want like we don't want um maybe we don't want we want less fag stuff yeah maybe we want less that but republicans guaranteed will not give you the less fag stuff they will give you the things that are good for big business we all know this yeah but so if you have that block a a a a political party that is ideological that is uh has actual internal coherence and actual control over its own members and over its own representatives they can actually say oh if you uh you're a senator for njp and you uh don't want to vote the party line well there's consequences you're going to get kicked out <laughs> you're going to lose you're going to lose your social position like you don't want to do that because we're we're the party and we say so right um that's a totally different situation now basically what has to happen is you need to have a a group well say a party the njp of pick a number a thousand five thousand men who are well integrated who are fanatically loyal to the the top part of the party who are competent to do these high these sorts of high level work and you have to have all the people underneath them supporting them whether they be just giving money or voting or uh, doing uh, behind the scenes paperwork, doing uh, all kinds of things. You need a whole apparatus. But you as the president need to be not like Donald Trump or not like Elon Musk. You need to have committed anti-Semites <laughs> underneath yeah. you who are loyal to you and have worked with you for a long time. And of course, I'm. this is the model of the NSDAP. Uh, in order to execute your program, which is a full program and not just a, well, we're going to do a couple things here and there to appease these different factions. No, no, no. We're, we're taking power and doing the things that are in the interest of the majority uh, of whites <clears throat> and, you know, not fucking over everybody. Right. So let's be fair here. But you're doing things that cannot be done under the current system because the current system cannot do, it cannot do things that are popular can only do things that uh, that have an interest group that supports it right right so lobbyists the mass movement is the only way to achieve this there are several other right-wing ideas that always come around that maybe we could i mean we've we've dismissed a bunch of them or worked through a few of them this episode uh one of the 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 dumbest ones but it's worth saying is the the uh, wait for something to happen. Oh, idea. the savior don't, complex. Yeah. Don't do anything and and wait for something to happen. Mm -hmm. um, or or even you're well, not going to get a Christmas miracle in politics, guys. <laughs> no, that, that's 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 stupid. But there's also the well the objection of well, what if we if we have a mass movement? What if we can't obtain total political power? What if that's just not like realistic? Right. Um, because it, it does take a certain amount of imagination and belief in the final victory to. <laughs> Uh, to even entertain this idea. Right, right. And a lot of people will just say, I, I don't see it happening. That just doesn't seem realistic. Well, that's fine. But here's the reason that you should support this this uh, strategy anyway. And it's because the, building the, the things you do to build a mass movement are the same things that you do to win limited power under an oligarchy. Mm. So 
let's say we can't become a party that takes the presidency and and Congress and everything. Let's say we can only get maybe the support of we can only ever carry 10 percent of the vote or something like that. Well, the things you can do is you can become sort of like a, a, a massive white ADL. So you become an interest group, mm. a well-coordinated interest group for white interests, and you prioritize the interest of your members, of course, but you work in the general interest of white people as well. Right. Then you actually have some political power. Now, you can't do that. The, the, what I'm saying is the things that you do to build the mass movement to take political power are the same things that you do to build that um, smaller uh, minority interest group. You can't build that minority interest group by any of the other methods of just finding some intra, some uh, issue that like all white people or many white people agree on, like abortion or right. um, no fags or whatever, and then saying, okay, we're going to rally around this. Because when you do that, you're not exposing yourself. It is, it is the struggle. It is the actual exposure to system pressure that causes you to have to develop the functionalities and the cohesion to that, that then allow you to exercise real power, even on the limited level of something like a white ADL. Right, and but you also, um, you like, you lose this ability to, uh, hold on, I, I lost my train of thought real quick. I had, <laughs> I do apologize. If you're not, if you don't have a mass movement, you're just doing like a, a, a issue politics where you try- Right, the issue it. politics, that's where, sorry, so that's, that's where I was going with. Yeah. Well, right, so the, the problem with, with single issue policies, right, or like single issue, single issue voting right right if you want to put it that way uh is that because of the reactionary nature of of targeting a specific evil right once yeah. that evil is gone if you are able to destroy that evil say like say say that the, say roe v wade gets overturned <laughs> right or something like, no but like that yeah it's a thing so like say say the whole fag marriage thing does get taken out right well then then what you're gonna have to restructure your entire organization around right. a new what's the a new what's pariah. the point of your you know, if the jews yeah. give you what you claim to want yeah then, then yeah. you're then then what's the point of existing at that point in time right, right. so you, you have to have a more gestalt all-encompassing ideology uh you know as far as what you're trying to do politically because otherwise you do fall into that trap of okay well what we wanted was accomplished so now there's really no point to exist it was like it's like old companies but like we we did this episode about the voc a bit where we did this thing about the uh, uh, dutch east indies yeah India company exactly and but the old companies before that right you would you would have a company that was, was created and then once the voyage that that company was brought together for is finished then the country the company dissolves and it never exists again right so like that's basically what we're doing now for politics is that we have okay so we're going to rally around this one ideology and then when that ideology is accomplished we're just going to dissolve and how are you ever going to accomplish anything long term doing that? You're not. And that was, you know, obviously. Right. And then there's, of course, the other problem that we always have to go back to, which is, well, what if you're not an explicitly anti-Semitic ideology, mm -hmm. you're going to have Jews in your top levels like you're you, or at, you, least, you're, at least picking around somewhere. They're just going to be there. You know, like there's there. You're going to have them. And you're, what's going to happen to you will be what happens to many, many organizations, well-intentioned single issue organizations. One is the um, what is it? The the Sierra Club. You mm. know about this? So the Sierra Club was a, a big environmentalist organization from the early 20th century, uh, sort of left wing, right wing, uh, just uh, very, very Aryan kind of thing, wanted to help the environment, uh, raise money for environmental causes. They, for, for years, opposed mass immigration. Yeah, cause it's, because because mass immigration is, is having more people in first world countries means more pollution, which is bad for the environment. So they opposed it. Right. Uh, it's a principled environmentalist position. Makes That's logical. Total sense. Right. 
of course, Jews took over oh, yeah. and they got rid of the mass immigration thing. And now it's just another bullshit, fake uh, leftist Jewish organization. We should take over the Sierra Club again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the same thing. I mean, I guess we, we've we've shot down all these dumb right wing ideas. There's plenty of dumb left wing ideas, too. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's too many of those to even get into. But it. even even OK, left wing ideas like having an environmental organization. Right, that is yeah. an, <clears throat> Like, why don't we approach this from the left wing and, and be. Um, not anti-Jewish, we just be pro-environment right. or be uh, anti-war, for instance. Mm. Having anti-war. Why is there no anti-war movement in this fucking country? It, well, well, there are plenty of lefties who are against there it. There used to be until, until be. the Jews got in and took away the anti-Israel stuff. Well, not even. Um, I mean, was, yeah, yes. That was a big deal for You're the broadly left. right. But the yeah. Jews uh, used the, the anti-war movement from the Vietnam era on and there was still an anti-war movement as you remember in the early 2000s against oh, yeah. iraq there was a big anti-war movement mm-hmm. I remember um that. <clears throat> now we have since you know 2003 we've had the iraq war the afghanistan war everybody's shilling um, for war we have even point. bigger we have well not bigger necessarily in terms of troops but probably more possibly more destructive wars more wars um that we just don't see them <laughs> are, yeah, right you just don't see them because they're not talked about in the press but there's no anti-war movement because Jews basically take it over and just make it shit. Right. And well, yeah, then well, we don't have, there's no anti-war movement now. Everything's pro-war from both sides. Republicans and Democrats is all pro-war. There's no there is no opposition. Even even a controlled one. Even a controlled opposition does not exist anymore for the for the the anti-war. Well, there's a little bit of a there is like a a little bit of a lefty street. There was that uh, street protest uh, 2 years ago that we went to, right, or, but, you know, me and, and Warren. And what we found was it wasn't an anti-war movement it was uh, a few jews leading uh some good intentioned lefties actually i'll say well no it's true i talked to some of those people some of them were just good intentioned lefties uh who didn't want to have war with iran and but the jews saw to it the the jewish commissars saw to it that it not be turned into an anti-israel thing because right. that is a consistent position that a lot of lefty the signs were great will too. agree with i enjoyed the signs there for the the the, the, the anti-kushner ones oh, those you know you don't see it on the film but like i i remember you know getting getting assaulted by that that, that <laughs> jewess uh like i'm looking around at all the all the lefties there and i'm i'm talking and saying like i was just like you and i'm looking them all in the eye and all of them were like like they they were like shocked they were their eyes were just big they didn't know what was happening they couldn't process what was happening it didn't make sense to them so like there is that that possibility there with a lot of these people Mm -hmm. if if the right sort of uh if things shifted there were the right sort of organizations that they could attach themselves to that they would be open to it right. now they're going to be you know i don't know about the jew stuff you know blah, blah, blah. but like people will over go, time people over time will go be, yeah. like people will go along with it once it becomes more socially acceptable and right lefties <clears throat> lefties are people who are more um the good thing about lefties is they can form groups the bad thing about them is that they are more uh they're more concerned with social appearances right yeah so they won't want to join a fringe group a feminine mentality it's a very feminine mentality to to care more about the social right yeah spiritually women all um but yeah they they care more about about not tipping the boat right the proverbial boat but the thing is if the entire boat's nazis then they're they're not gonna care at that point i mean uh, national so yeah national socialism yeah the uh the adolf hitler method of Mm -hmm a revolution by legal means building a mass movement 
uh, having position, like taking positions that are your actual positions. You know, yeah. <laughs> Nazis get accused all the time of, oh, they're just doing this for cynical reasons. No, like uh, the the our positions are not held for cynical reasons, which is what's so shocking to the system is these are just like it's not if we wanted to be, you know, if we wanted to shortcut things, we would say, OK, well, we're not going to be um we're not going to be anti-war. We're going to have all these right-wing positions and we're not also going to be anti-war. Well, we are anti-war as right. well yeah. because that is the morally correct position. It's yeah. the one we really believe in and it's the one that we're willing to fight for. So we have, that is a weakness, but it's also long-term a strength because right. people look at that and they say, well, these people have been getting their asses kicked over all this stuff for all this time, but they've, and they have no cynical reason to be anti-war, but they're still anti-war. Yeah. Maybe I should check them out. Yeah, well, it's because like, you, you build, you build, more uh solid connections over the years as compared to like many right it's it's again it's it's the whole concept of quantity or quality over quantity right um because otherwise you know, there's there's a million ways that we could grift off this in the in the current now and people do right but that's oh, yeah. you can tell what Laura is Southern. part of the yeah well Nick fuentes yeah, but you I mean, can tell what the real what the real um what the real basically what the real movement is versus that which is not because of of basically who is and who is not a grifter i mean that because it's it's so easy to grift off these types of things people people are reactionary right now they're mad they're angry i get it you know that's the thing is like and they're easily taken advantage of because of that what like, actually here's another great one that we didn't bring up why shouldn't we give money to something like lauren southern oh like, like let's say <laughs> i thought that was a given you, have, yeah. you know let's be cynical like a pretty face a, a pretty girl i yeah. mean she's not pretty but we'll she's assume, okay i assume let's yeah. assume uh she were you know most males younger in our, and, and most skinnier. males in our political camp would agree that she's decently acceptable. okay whatever well you I, have I, a girl you have, <laughs> standards you are have probably a girl low. who is saying the things that you want to hear right oh, we need to stop immigration and like this even if she's let's say she throws in some anti-semitism yeah. we need we the jews are too powerful and we need to stop immigration to europe and it's bad and and, and she she has a seemingly competent organization she's able to produce uh documentaries and stuff yeah but you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why is she power. able to do that? Well, it's $10,000 a, a speech. <laughs> yes. Why is she able to do that? She's able to do that because she is not really a threat. Because a girl, a pretty girl, even if she's saying the right things, is not going to have the moral fortitude to turn down money and to stand up to political bullying the way a group of men is. Right. A real political like change with prison sentences and is whatnot. only going yeah, is going to be a group of men. Now let's 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 say, okay, War Lauren Southern I forget it that. Let's say um I don't know, who's some man who's like let's say Nick Fuentes. Oh, I was gonna say Gavin McGinnis. Um well people who don't put dildos in oh okay you know. okay yeah let's say nick fuentes <laughs> all right uh why are you not going to build a political movement around nick fuentes well for one thing the lack of the honesty and truth in the program mm. is number one the fuentes will signal anti-semitism he'll he'll waffle on it he'll say well we need uh you know he'll, he'll take a bunch of positions that are are basically correct but he isn't building a movement of strong men around him. Look at the look at the people that have worked with him in the past. Like he's had people fall off or push people out. I mean that that always happens. But like, why have they fallen out? Why have they been pushed out? He he is not able to lead competent men. You're first of all, you're not going to get it with a 22 year old or a 23 year old. Yeah, you're, you're going to need an old, you're going to need a man. I mean, Hitler yeah, yeah. says this: you shouldn't enter politics till you're 30. Right. 
but you need a a very serious man in his 30s or 40s to be the leader <laughs> because you need similar men who are willing to follow him and one one great political truth that i've discovered is that men are willing to follow men that they can respect because they know that he is tough and he's willing to lead from the front right and that you're not going to get a serious political movement without a man like that in or a group of men like that in the front um getting one you, getting one would be great a group would be fantastic yeah right <laughs> imagine like imagine a uh you know like some some uh ex-military badass who did like a bunch of shit and in in iraq or afghanistan uh you know he's 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 done all the violence he's exposed himself to danger he's he's like a real brave guy um who knows knows comradeship knows all those things is he going to follow in front his of course fucking not <laughs> no uh, he's not going to follow someone that he sees as lesser right and no man will you know you need to with with you know i imagine there are a lot of veterans like that i mean you know if if you come to the realization that your your political system is is bullshit and then you need to make effect a massive change you start looking around okay well who what group can i join what what can i be a part of you need a group you you can't you're not going to follow a nick fuentes or a lauren southern like you're not that sort of person is not going to be able to hold your loyalty and like even some very well-intentioned guy might might follow and might be able to be a good good subordinate for a while but the thing is that a incompetent and or, or a weak person will not promote competent or weak people to be their lieutenants right notice that like it's it's the same way in in comp in business or anything it's the jimmy carter thing you can't you can't promote somebody you can't have a lieutenant who's more who's very competent and very respected because or to respect more respected than you because he's a threat to you right so you have to like even if he is totally loyal and like isn't gonna like be a shithead he's necessarily a problem for you and so that's why you have to have that like group of, of very strong, very serious, yeah. morally correct men in leadership. Otherwise, you're just not going to uh, be able to attract good, high quality people. Right. That was the problem with, with President Carter is that his mother advised him hilariously. Think about that for a second. His mother advised him on uh, surrounding himself with lesser men so that he mm -hmm. would look better. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, look at it's like Woodrow Wilson and, and, yeah. and uh, quote unquote colonel house remember that mm -hmm. uh versailles uh wilson's president wilson's uh eminence gris <laughs> was this like buffoon uh weirdo who didn't who thought he knew everything i mean same thing with wilson right buffoon yeah. weirdo who thought he knew everything if you're wilson like, it seems logical to to smart men it's like well you know if i was you know kind of a dumbass loser like wilson i would have gotten the smartest motherfucker to be my yeah. my lieutenant so that i would look good but it's just that thing like you said with jimmy carter you have a guy you know you have guys like that around you well you're gonna look like a retard yeah because it's like wow everybody in his and his in his association is incompetent <laughs> like you know you are you are your company we all know this saying right like we've heard it a thousand times like you basically are what you eat you are you know you are the the, the makeup of those who surround you and if they're all dumbasses you're a dumbass too well it's a cadre of dumbasses even though it's an organized cadre of dumbasses you know it's still it's still a cadre of dumbasses so i would say always try to surround yourself with better people than yourself it's, it's the same thing with uh we all learned this too when we were I, kids you, i would rather like, be in the position where i am more competent than my ability 
mm. then less competent than my ability. That would be a horrible position to be in, yeah, where you're true. where you're like Nick Fuentes, and you're like not nearly competent enough to do to be where you're at. The position that he's given, yeah, because sure. you, how do you like anything you do, like in order to maintain your position, you're just trying to like stay where you're at because you're 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 actually better than you're the king worrying about people trying to overthrow you. Right. It's better to be the captain. It's better to be Macbeth as number two. Yeah. And like be the badass. Like you get all the accolades. You don't have to worry about the responsibility. You're just going to be this guy. Macbeth made a fucking mistake by killing Duncan. He should have stayed, stayed where he was at. He was happy. Everything was great. Just glide uh, he through life. listened to his stupid, crazy slut wife who told him to kill his bro. That was a mistake. What, you don't listen to a woman in the first place. Oh, yeah, That's like, well, you know. So, but yeah, no. So don't surround yourself with morons. Uh, if you're, if your circles, anybody listening to this, if your circles are retarded, leave them, find new ones. Uh, you, you have like your, what, what is that stupid saying? The capitalists always say your network is your net worth. It is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I've not it, heard that. That's, oh, uh, it, it's that's a, surprisingly wise. It's a good saying. Yeah. Usually, usually it's always said by those, those internet grifters or whatever that are part of that uh, hustle culture or whatever. And they're just like, yeah, you know, you got to sell more Nikes online on your Instagram posts or whatever the hell. And it's like your network is your net worth. The, the saying is great. And I completely agree with the sentiment of it. I really, really do. But it is, it is true. So like, uh, I hate to say it, but if you're if you're trying to participate in the methno state, get out of that and go find <laughs> yeah. something better to do. <laughs> like, That's, uh... yeah, you know, there's there's better things to do out there. Like again, if if you if again if you if you're struggling if you, if you if you if you think you have friends and this is something for Christmas too if you th- to help guys in, that are that are in depressive states, there's reasons why you're probably in depressive states. If you think that you have friends and you're lonely as hell today on Christmas. You might want to rethink that because again, your, your friends are supposed to be the people that come around you the closest or whatever. And even if it's not, you know, social or whatever, but somebody should be calling you today. Yeah, somebody should be you know, talking you know, like, be, message be, your friends. Yeah, be an open national socialist insofar as you are comfortable being so because well, yeah, there's that. You know, I mean, join, join the movement is what I'm saying. And yeah. because there are advantages, you know, there's a lot of disadvantages. We talk about this all the time, Oh yeah, but there are advantages. One advantage is you have friends. I have people hitting me up all the time. I don't have enough time to like manage all of my contacts. Is, I, need, yeah. I need a secretary to like manage my contacts for me. It's too many friends, and it's not a bad thing. You no, know, it's, it's not a, a bad. Th- it's yeah. not a bad thing at all. It's like, just time consuming. <laughs> like I know, I know there are people out there who, who care about me and who yeah. want who who need help from me or whatever. And Nazis are more on your case than your mom is. I mean, they'll they'll ask you if you if you ate or if you fucking you know worked out today or whatever. Like they, they won't <laughs> leave you alone. Like, <laughs> did you go lift, bro? Literally that. Like it's like. Your, your phone will constantly be blowing up when it, whenever you have co- an actual community that gives a shit about you. And that's something that, you know, a lot of us didn't have growing up. I mean, some of us were lucky enough to grow up in a cul-de-sac and have, you know, friends you'd play like, you know, capture the flag with or ride bikes with or whatever the hell else. Um, but for the most part, uh, as you get older and as everybody started to, to disperse and do the American dream and leave their hometown and abandon everything that they grew up yeah, with it's or whatever. Okay. I don't know why it, people did that. It's Well, it's, it's, well, I'm, it was the I'm propaganda. still resentful to everybody in my high school for doing that. It's like, you fuckers. Well, yeah, but why it, didn't you, it, why didn't you stay home? It was so much better. It's the 1950s. Did it man. hang out? The Come 1950s on. killed the, they killed the American family. Like it introduced feminism. It introduced the, uh, the, uh, the white picket fence and everybody gets a house with a dog and a wife and everything else like that. It made you not want to stay with your family. It made you not want to have a family estate. It made you want to go get your own place and your own shit, expanding cars and consumerism and the road systems and everything the hell else. Basically, all of America was created because of this 1950s utopian dream, and it has completely destroyed the well, ability. Well, just materialism. It's, yeah, it's all. You know, I could I could move to the city and drink craft beers and bank slots on occasion, and it's gonna be awesome. Right. And it really 
isn't awesome. No. Everybody who's in that situation hates their lives. I would rather be a peasant farmer, like with a community that literally gets together and drinks and plays music and dances right. and you, stuff. Because because all real community is political community. It's Ooh. community that works together for a political purpose. Well, yeah, it was all encompassing. It's like not to not to bring Islam up on Christmas, but <laughs> uh, no, please do. Yeah, it's uh, it, the the Islamic look of it is that everything is you know, it's it's all encompassing. That their ideology is all encompassing. It's educational. It's political. It's you know it's it's social. It's everything, um, even scientific to their detriment. <laughs> but they they have this this concept of everything has to be together and we should also well, we used to do this we that was a thing we used to have that like everybody you know would get around on on holidays and 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 uh you know commune with each yeah, other the, and talk about like in the, the islamic world you know people still they i, they still I, I know they will address you as yaachi oh brother uh, yeah like that's uh, blacks do it yeah you <laughs> know Muslims do it what's up bro you know but we used to, yeah we used to have this kind of communalism where the, like the, the mayor of your village or whatever would be at the town dance kind of thing and everybody was there right you could you could ask the pol- you could ask the politicians in your life the real questions or give them a gift or something on christmas or whatever like it wasn't you weren't detached like there wasn't a detachment of of well, no, I wouldn't. Well, I don't like to say political life, but it is kind of what that is. There, there wasn't a detachment of the different aspects of life. Everything was all wrapped up together, um, and we're losing that. And I think that that's kind of one thing that we like. We should be able to get together and talk politics on Christmas. It shouldn't be taboo in the household to talk right. about religion and politics. What, and what stuff else like are you going to fucking talk about? What, like, I'm saying? what else like, matters? Yeah. What? Like, oh, oh, let's talk about the football game. Like, wow, that's real intellectual. No, you, know what, you know what the upper middle class talks about? Hmm? Uh, I've been to some Thanksgivings like this and I wanted to blow my brains out. Uh, dogs. Oh, God. They, yeah. I, I have been in two-hour conversations about dogs. This is like a thing. It's, and I... It's like, what the fuck? Can we please just make some like, I don't know, dead baby jokes or something? I don't know. Like anything, <laughs> like make anything, it extreme. Guys? Can we have some like low humor or like just something? But yeah, get together with your bros, talk politics about politics. Be better. That's what I'm saying. You're supposed to have that. Uh, the reason I, w- I wanted to do a Christmas special is because... I know there's a lot of people who, on Christmas, don't have anything else to do. Unfortunately, true. I mean, there I've had a few Christmases where I didn't really have much to do. I I, uh, I basically just hung out with a couple friends of mine who likewise didn't have much to do, and we drank and talked about Jews, <laughs> well, and it was fucking great. Christmas cheer. It is. It is really the best. I mean, those are some of my best Christmases, like 2015, 2016, when I was first discovering the importance of the jewish question in <laughs> in uh world politics and because I, I before that i think i'd sort of understood that jews were different but i didn't understand the weight of it oh, and yeah. the the ecstasy of understanding of coming to understand of of uh discovering the jewish question which was for me circa november 2014 and christmas 2014 was really uh like like being born again oh wow or <laughs> yeah well <laughs> so yeah the, 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 how, uh, how why don't you give us a little background uh how did you get into these politics oh man uh i was lucky compared to most other people uh that's i, I usually don't have the same kind of story um but yeah like i i kind of 
I had an open-minded household growing up. Like my parents uh, were kind of just cool if we read anything as long as we were reading. And um, that kind of led to just going through all the classics and getting all the, the good stuff out of the way, right? Like Treasure Island and, you know, uh, King Solomon's Mines and you know all that other fun stuff. Moby Dick's with Family Robinson, all that great, you know, Thin Red Line. Yeah. Um, but after I got through all the classics, I still needed good literature to read, and I'm not—I was never one of those kids to read uh, *The Littlest Treehouse* or whatever the heck that that infantile, you know, literature is they make for kids, or whatever, or like the Hardy Boys or something, right? Like I was never into that kind of stuff. It was just too—I don't know. It wasn't—it wasn't fun. Like, it wasn't adventurous. It wasn't like badass and cool. So you read um, history. I did. Well, history was a big one, yeah. And I remember getting a lot of these books for Christmas. This was like one of the big things for Christmas that I really enjoyed. Was my mom and my dad loved giving us books for Christmas that we that we liked, right? Like I really enjoyed these large picture books that showed all the great details of, of the knights and their armor and the castles and everything else like that. And I would get these really big, you know, books like that for Christmas and it was a really cool thing. So while other kids were getting I have no idea, like whatever So you, you always had an a I an understanding of yourself as a European and as oh, a, yeah. a white man and a a Christian, uh, as they used to say. But, uh, well, yeah, the Christian thing wasn't really that slapped onto us too much, but we just did all the other. Well, holidays. you know, I'm using the word in the you know medieval sense, like oh, you're, right, you're a Christian, right, 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 right. We're, right, we're right. all Christians. You know, if somebody, in, whenever I've had an occasion to talk to an Arab and they ask like, "What are you?" I just say, "Well, I'm a Christian," and they're like, "Oh, you know, okay. like I would never say that in the West because it's sort of it has a different connotation nowadays." Right. Somebody right. asks if you say, "I'm a Christian," it means. I go to church and I like take this very seriously. Yeah. When a when a Middle Easterner asks you what are you, they want to know uh, have you converted to you know, <laughs> uh, mashallah, like <laughs> do you, you believe in the Prophet peace be upon him? And it's like no, no, I'm just a Christian. They like okay, they that's they they can put you nicely in the box. Right. But right. You're like okay, yeah. The Islamic box. Uh, <laughs> the the me box. Right. Mecca. Yeah. More so, so like getting in why you know plenty of people know about the jewish question or they understand that oh european yeah. culture is great or whatever but they don't want to do anything about it they're just like well you know I so how to get into politics then so yeah, yeah. that's where we're yeah so that was the thing it's like whenever whenever i was younger or whatever i i was able to read mein kampf at like i think it was like 14 or something um because again my parents didn't really care and so i kind of knew about the jews and everything else like that even as you know as a young as a young teenager but no, so I got into, I guess I got into politics through history, uh, like a love of history and understanding just basically what, you know, what went down, what was the, the truth of it, right? Like we were taught as kids, uh, most of us were, I think, from, from our generation, uh, how critical thinking still worked in some way, shape or form, or at least they tried to teach us. Some of us got that education uh, where we were we were meant to, to really dig into stuff. Like you actually had to do research. So you actually had to go Yeah, but to how do you go from that to, okay, I want to go to uh, political events. I want to meet other people. Oh, to- well, because like you naturally... You naturally want to find some kind of drive like so after after i had learned all this stuff i i went into the military and when i got out of the military i went back to college and i was kind of like frustrated i wanted i, I knew i wanted to do something i guess involving philosophy or politics and like the big big picture or whatever i just like i was never on the internet that was the, the thing so like i probably would have joined something when i was younger like much younger i would have probably tried to find something mm-hmm. uh, i got no idea what they would have been at the time because i i was never into the, the internet at the time so like it 
it took somebody else to tell me about what was going on in the movement like online for me to even just jump online and find so out what was that like 2015 it was about 20 like 2016 um was like 2015 i got I, I was like back in college and so for the about 2015 and 2016 i was looking or like trying to figure out what to do politically in the united states that aligned with all the stuff that i had learned throughout my life you know like um that, like, so that was another thing that's like i think we should bring into the christmas part about this is like the the difference between love and and hatred uh i know it's like a big big christmas theme i mean it's the same thing isn't it <laughs> all right if we, if we get into like in a way right if we break love... down a serious philosophy yes but <laughs> for, for the average for the average i love sort of... good things i hate bad things my love of good things causes me to hate bad things right it's pretty straightforward no that's not wrong i will give you that um now but there's there's a different you you know what i'm talking about though the people the people that are completely just hateful like just like they they come to things because they um they feel scorned right like like mm-hmm. they were like again a lot of a lot of guys in the movement um or in the thing or whatever it is you know like this conglomerate uh they come to it after realizing that they had been lied to basically their entire lives by the system and that causes a lot of anger and i don't dis i don't i don't blame them i yeah, really don't anger is a great feeling uh, i mean it can be right it's a wonderful it's, it's <laughs> it is a great feeling i guess like in the spirit of, of christmas joy like yeah like you know anything that makes you feel good is good but no don't be hateful today at least yeah you, one uh, it can it can it can like anything you can go too far with it right exactly and that's kind of the thing is like people tend to to go overboard i luckily never had that realization because i never was lied to my whole my life my, my parents never lied to me about the system of things and so i was i was able to just kind of come at it from like just a, a loving thing and i really enjoyed i wanted to be around other people that you know we're we're happy about being white right i'm happy about you being european uh that actually enjoyed studying our own culture and whatnot not being like forced to understand some african mud hut culture on the other side of the world you know for schooling when it has nothing to pertain what's going on to this side of the, the you know the planet and even though it's it's interesting and i obviously studied all that stuff and i know you did too and like third world's fascinated us and everything but at the same time like it there's something really good about coming home you know to to your academic roots and your yeah i mean roots. i i in like early on in college i went to osu for my first two years i studied a lot of stuff about the middle east and it's very interesting um but i was feeling like i'm 20 years old at this point and i've barely read any of the classics or philosophy of my own civilization it feels weird i always assumed that we were going to get that at some point in school i don't know perhaps wrongly i just assumed that i didn't need to bother to to study it because it was just that was going to be in the curriculum right i want to learn all this other shit too i got to do that but it just never came around and so uh i transferred to georgetown and i was like you know i really want to learn some of this this more basic stuff uh greece and rome and europe and so i started doing that but the thing about georgetown was there wasn't that like crazy anti-white thing so much at ohio state like it, it back then this was like 2008 ish right that wasn't really a thing at the big uh state schools but it was becoming a thing at georgetown so there's a big culture difference switching to georgetown where you have this like everywhere these sort of preposterous statements like oh whites are bad and blah blah blah. and my kind of reaction to it was i just started listening to like more nazi uh military music on youtube <laughs> see okay yeah the and music this, on, youtube unironically radicalized me yeah well everybody else was hating themselves for being white and uh like there's a big you really couldn't make friends without 
drinking and just being degenerate. So that was tough as well because yeah. I I was I wanted to make friends the way I had in high school where you you go and you play a sport and you show that you're good you're tough and you're reliable and you're a good teammate and then you yeah. can make friends. Uh, you couldn't really do that. So I'm just sitting there in my dorm room or at the library or whatever listening to like <laughs> you know Panzergrenadier or uh, <laughs> I, would, uh, <laughs> I don't know uh, Volk Anskavir or Die Blaune Company and I'm like man this is fucking cool like yeah, I, I had a CD that I burned to I, 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 I had the, the, the like intellectual honesty to admit to myself I was like yeah I mean if I was a German back then I would have been a Nazi right yeah like it's like, like you didn't know I mean even if even assuming back then as I did that the Holocaust is real it's like well you fucking know that that's gonna that that's where all this is gonna go so right. of course it, you're gonna it be was a Nazi a, well, it was a logical conclusion too like the, the concept of the Holocaust was a logical conclusion even if it was real like you know like if we were allowed to to truly analyze it and say okay what was happening the thing is that I guess I'm assuming you as well perhaps is you were because remember when information was like totally free before yeah. 2017 <laughs> like yeah. when anything you could just look up literally anything in the world and it was all there just to like look up um, but no you could look up too you know anything that you wanted you could read about you know even what happened beforehand the Weimar Republic right and like the the usury and all that other stuff the degeneracy that's happening in Berlin you could read all that and say logically like yeah I can understand why they would get rid of these people like this makes total sense but the thing is you have to understand it from a context of history elsewhere because I'm assuming you you as a, as a, as a huge buff of the ancient world would have remembered the expulsion of the Jews of Judea and everything else like that uh, I mean a little bit like I I knew as I saw those movies as a kid about uh all the Roman movies mm. and mo- Roman movies come in three types. There's either um, gladiator movies, mm. there's Caesar and Cleopatra movies, <laughs> or there's Jew movies. Oh, and yeah. usually Jews figure into the gladiator movies and then maybe into the Caesar. Like Jews usually figure in somehow. Mm. But movies like Ben Hur or Masada or Masada, yeah, no Masada. I love Masada. That was like my favorite movie in fourth grade. Like <laughs> even though. It pissed me off because the Jews are portrayed as like, oh look, the Jews are so bad. Oh, so like, noble. Here's one. Yeah. Here's one Jew like killing ten Roman soldiers. And I was like, this is bullshit. bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> but the Romans like through just superior organization and sacrifice like overcome this <laughs> incredible. Uh, fortification and right. and beat the Jews in the end and they have awesome music and Peter O'Toole is badass as Flavius Silva and <laughs> the Jews just get wrecked and you're supposed it's like it's one of these evangelical movies where it's made so that you're supposed to root for the Jews right but yeah as a as a European I don't know I don't I see can't. how anybody can identify with the Jews maybe if they're you not believe, us I think the angle on it is that if you're an American who believes in like strongly in the ideology of freedom Mm -hmm. you see the analogy as being american revolutionaries to british the underdogs as to romans yeah but i did not ever see it no like no no hell no i'm pretty sure the founding fathers if they were watching this would have been like rome yes kill yeah (laughs) i was a true dumb goy and i went with whoever had the coolest uniforms usually (laughs) like germans always had the coolest uniforms whatever and as a you know like my my uh, family history is German, so it's like a natural thing, right? I'm just like, oh, those are my people. Like, I have to root for them, even even if they're the bad guys. I'm on their side. <laughs> like, yeah, I was I always mean, watching theory, Spartacus. Like, I rooted for the Romans too. My well, parents, my parents were like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "The Romans are the good." I mean, yeah, they're obviously I was good for the Romans. Like, <laughs> oh, they're getting enslaved. Oh, slavery's oh, oh, oh. bad. Slavery wasn't eliminated in the west until the 1860s yeah, you're like, telling me that i'm gonna supposed to apply the ideology of slavery to ancient rome like give me like, a fucking break yeah, who gives a shit if yeah. the romans were enslaving them they these people would have been 
enslaving the Romans. Like, get the yeah, come on. One way or the other, it's going to happen, right? It just was like, and it's like they wrote about that too. Both sides, everybody had slaves. It just was part of fucking civilization. Um, but no, and that's that's kind of the thing is that you have um, you have all this this uh, I don't know like this this overplaying of of Judaism too much, even even within Christmas movies now, um, or just in general. Like, there's so much jewishness uh in in christmas like overlaying christmas themes um whether it be again the crucifixion of jesus or any of these other types of things there's a bunch of jewish elements to christmas that's been overlaid since uh since old times and we still have a bunch of our old traditions and this goes to the the whole thing of understanding history right is that we grew up reading about like christmas through the ages right and you could see the traditions being passed on from like the pagans to the christians and everything else like that over time Mm -hmm. and whatnot and we still have a bunch of our traditions now like the tree right like i'm pretty sure there wasn't a story about the tree and the jesus story like i've read the bible i know it's not there there's no tree but you know you see these crossovers and stuff because you put the star on top of the tree the star represents you know the star leading to the baby jesus and all this other stuff so there's like all this melding and whatnot of of christmas and, and the like that's the cool thing about uh, Christmas is that it's it's a really good um, like kind of like a, a good uh, template for evolution of European uh, traditions in Central and Northern Europe over the course of two thousand plus years, if not before then, really, because you can you know look at the the pagan traditions of what was you know being practiced even as as completely mundane it's just bringing in one branch into your house right and putting it over like the hearth or something compared to bringing in the whole damn tree. Um, and then the presents and all that other stuff, Kris Kringle, you know, Santa Claus, uh, St. Nicholas, however, the different iterations and all the different fun stuff like Krampus or the, uh, I don't, I can't remember the Scandinavian one where it's like this witch and she comes in and eats your babies or whatever. Christmas was really mm. fun, apparently in Scandinavia. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like you have all these different evolutions of, of the, the Christmas you know theme over time, but it's, it's really a representation of the evolution of European culture over time. And the, this whole like, as of now, like, we'll talk about this kind of sad bit about it, like the the war on Christmas, right? People say there's there's no you know, sometimes they're saying there's no war on Christmas because it's a, a great money making thing, right? And it is a great money making thing for the system. They love using. Christmas oh yeah, for that. just it, the war war on. I mean, it's a typical conservative talking point. Yeah. It's annoying and and kind of dumb. Uh, just say like the Jewish attack on Christmas. If right. Being honest, but you're, yeah, because it is that the materialist. Like, yeah. Right, and well, the, the attack the attack on Christmas more so is really the the, su- the sublimation or supplant supplantation supplantation supplementation the supplanting of christmas with uh hanukkah like now it's called holidays everybody wishes holiday this and holiday that i make it a damn point to wish everybody a merry christmas when i'm out in public around the holidays like because and for us we can say holidays because we mean both christmas and new year's but for yeah well, or you know, not these people when they mean holidays to include kwanzaa and oh, hanukkah and everything know, else or uh so uh, I unfortunately the Boxing Day for the Brit Bongs, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of cool ones like Yule's. You know, Yule's part of it as well. It's very important because uh, that's the origins of it. You know, but so I um, where was I? I was uh, I was going. Oh yeah, I, I unfortunately stumbled into a Starbucks the other day, um, and they had zero Christmas decorations up at all. Nothing, not a damn thing. But the entire front table or whatever the heck that kiosk is where they have all their croissants in or whatever mm-hmm. like that display kiosk the entire thing was decked out in hanukkah stuff right it's not hanukkah it's not christmas yet goy it's hanukkah though yeah it is it's and it's like it was everywhere it was all silver and white all over the damn place and you're seeing more and yeah, more, really more hanukkah stuff coming out yeah I, I hate how the jews have stolen like blue and white some nice colors and right it's gorgeous whenever i see <laughs> blue and white and i'm like oh is that a jew right and, 
It's like, uh, I, I want to just have the color blue and white without any Jewish connotations. Right. One day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like you see it more and more now where it's because there's just Hanukkah everywhere and they're calling it, you know, happy holidays, 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 because again, they want to have that diversity of inclusion. Well, between all the different holidays. Yeah. But I don't want to gri- gripe about it. Well, uh, true. Of course. You know, so let's, let's on a fuck it, happier like, note. <laughs> I, I, I've since about 2015 have looked at Christmas as, as a, whether or not you want to bring in the Jesus story or not, like it's just a metaphor. It is a, a metaphor for the bur- for the bringing of truth to the world. Mm. And, uh, you know, one way to look at it is it's, uh, you know, Aristotle brought truth to the world. Hitler mm. brought truth to the world. Uh, I like to think about Hitler and Aristotle on Christmas because <laughs> uh, Aristotle brought us logic and Hitler applied logic to the problems of the current era. Politics, yeah. So... No, it's true. They are they are Christmas Christmas spirits, for sure. Because it'd be really interesting to see. Also, this is to say this is go off on a tangent, but like to have a reimagining of a Christmas Carol, right? Like Dickens' Christmas Carol, um, or you could have Scrooge or whatever be like a conservative white guy, and you have like the three spirits of Christmas visit him, and it's just like you know past, present, future, but they're all like those kind of characters, like Aristotle's like Christmas, you know past or whatever and like hitler's christmas present and like christmas future is something else like a like a white kid or something um then you know like they come back and like say oh you know mister you have to you have to call out the jews like <laughs> you don't call out the jews it's, you know it's gonna be a horrible thing bah humbug i don't want to call out the jews i want to watch fox news well yeah. yeah you know i i've been this is a thought i've been having lately is uh the call it the moral imperative of anti-semitism mm. so i've been reading about world war one a lot and a lot of the generals in world war one like uh cadorna uh, the chief of staff of the italian military and uh guys like marshall falk or um or marshall or uh what a general haig in britain i mean all these guys a lot of them were were very hard very serious men the exact kind of guy you would want to have as one of your top military officers um who is just going to like do whatever the fuck it takes to win the war even if it means like killing thousands of people (laughs) um that's what you want as like a nation Mm. but on the other hand you need the you need the people in the top political leadership including the military to be asking themselves but why though right and these guys weren't asking that question so in the case of cadorna the italian chief of staff uh the most powerful man in the italian government at the time widely recognized and this is i got this from a mainstream book written by a brit bong so this is not uh white is the white war by mark thompson uh the people in the italian government recognized everyone recognized the most powerful person in the whole country was sydney sonino the foreign minister Mm. sonino was a jew now how between 1914 and 1919 how is it the foreign minister of fucking italy is a jew well, what was what was the Jewish population of Italy in the early 20th century? Like, <laughs> it had like, to be like five percent, yeah, maybe? less than a percent, like like less than England or Germany, even you know, right. like oh, yeah. minuscule. And this guy somehow is the most powerful person in the country, and is the one responsible for bringing in Italy on the side of the Allies mm-hmm. and for pushing for war. Uh, and so you don't say <laughs> you're looking at. I know it's it's. And we're gonna. Nice I'm gonna do a nice Christmas present for all the the nice Italians. In the I'm gonna have war. to do a, a a podcast on the Italy and World War One because that whole thing is very interesting. But what struck me is the you know generals like Cadorna. 
he gets criticized, I think, unfairly a lot for being a, a, a blockhead and like throwing away lives of men. And there's probably some good, you know, eh, some validity to the criticism. But uh, on the other hand, you're dealing with a country that is not well organized at all, that uh, has low morale. And if your job is just win the fucking war, like it's going to result in some pretty brutal methods. I mean, they were right. doing things like uh, they were doing like the military police shooting people for running away. I mean, there's tons of like extrajudicial executions of soldiers. And uh, one of the big that was bad. Ruler one for sure. One of the one of the biggest like uh, mutinies was uh, in this regiment, the Katan, or Catanzaro Battalion, which is from Calabria. It's, Catanzaro is like right four miles away from where my grandfather was born oh, sh- <laughs> um so i probably had relatives in this unit right like they were told again and again and again you're gonna get leave because the government was just lying to them it's like oh yeah you're gonna get leave and now fuck you uh, we're sending you back to the front and eventually they were like fuck this uh, and they revolted and they had to send like uh carabinieri uh military police to like shoot them yeah and this this shit was happening all the time and like so i can kind of understand why you need to do that in a a state that isn't as well organized as like Britain or America, why you'd need to be just, there's going to be things that happen that are bad. France, but why are you not, France. but this is the th- point. Why are you not as the top military leadership asking yourself, what the fuck am I doing? Like, look at your leadership. Right. Why yeah. are you in this war in the first place? No, right. Yeah. Like, why do I have to keep guys in the front constantly? And it is your responsibility. So I do blame Cadorna. I do blame Cadorna for not being anti-Semitic. That was his moral failing. That's fair. No, that's fair. That's well. That's, and that's what have, I mean. And we can you, apply that to basically all throughout European yes, history. Yes. Just like how many people have just had like, oh well, just poor things, just leave him be, or they don't even think about it. They don't even give a shit. They're just like, oh, he's Jewish. What does that have to do with anything? That's just his religion, right? Like it just. You know, yeah. If you if you are not anti-Semitic and you are in leadership, you are failing. You're willfully ignorant. And it's even if, all right as a European or as a white person in general across the planet, if you are not anti-Semitic in some way, shape, or form, you are willfully ignorant of the problem. That's just a fact. Right, but your responsibility is magnified if you are oh, in right. leadership. Right, yeah, like the higher up the totem pole you go in hierarchy, if the it's more like I, you I need would, to be aware. I would make an allowance for, like, there should, you know, a way you think there should be a separation of military and civilian power, right? The military, if you're a top general, your job should just be follow my fucking orders and get it done. Right. But when you kind of have to, maybe in a, a state that is fully, like, really well organized and everyone the best people are in charge you have that luxury as one of the top military officers to not worry about political problems right yeah. but if your society is not well organized and it is kind of a shit show you really need to be thinking about these political problems if you're in top or even mid-level leadership like like the for example we use head like the head of uh head of national police in brazil okay right. like that tell me, would, tell me about this well i mean like that because like as of recent brazil's had some like turmoil as the new president lula got elected the communist or whatever okay uh as of recent and so there was like this whole is there going to be a coup is bolsonaro just going to like you know take the cops and the military and just take over the country kind of thing and they had like all bolsonaro the, that zionist puppet yeah like the guy who just but, like is now conservative out. presenting right uh, trump right. trump Brazil. trump brazilian yeah brazilian trump <laughs> trainee brazilian trump right yeah so so he's he tried but no. sorry I, I always just assume <laughs> trannies if we're talking about brazil well i mean but maybe that's no thailand, too, too much Th- propaganda thailand has a higher has a higher probability of getting a oh tranny. of course yeah. of course thailand, <laughs> thailand is, they are the winners of the yeah, tranny that's like the lady boy capital of the world <laughs> you know and what's all right let's 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 digress slightly into the concept of christmas here how many how many libertarian men are going to wake up christmas morning 
to a ladyboy. <laughs> they all went to Thailand or something. Oh, is that a thing? I would imagine, yeah. Like, well, there's a lot of guys that go out, expats and everything else. With libertarians with Asian women is oh, like a you, major thing. Were you thing. saying that, that Christmas is like the highest um, or one of the highest times, best times of year to be a stripper? Like, No, it is. So sex work. All right. So sex work uh, skyrockets <laughs> two times a year, and that is Thanksgiving, or if, at least for the, you know, the United States, Western Hemisphere specifically. Uh, you have Thanksgiving and you have Christmas. And Christmas is obviously throughout the entirety of the West, and Thanksgiving and Christmas are obviously basically for the united states but yeah these are the two highest times for suicides and the two highest times for sex work and stuff like that hmm. uh so basically like this is this you is like they can understand why for one thing it's cold and dark and depressing right and then if you're supposed to have a holiday with your family and you don't have anyone to have a holiday with you're, right and it's you're gonna be like face. fuck it i want to uh go to a strip club or get drunk or kill myself right you know casinos are also big on these days mm-hmm. right massive times any type of solitary activity like that now the thing is again because it's shoved in your face everywhere for some marketing like every sign has christmas on it every tv thing has christmas on it everything is christmas 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 you're reminded everywhere you go and if it if it's a depressive concept for you you're going to drive yourself into some kind of you know terrible state which could possibly lead in you know a, i don't know anything from an std to death <laughs> you know or an addiction yeah. or something uh it's sad but it's true you know so that's and that's why it's also good to to be able to to have an activity to do something on on christmas um you know it doesn't matter what it would be uh maybe but, just read mind conf and uh, right well it's the thing reading is like taking the big part about christmas and i i make this a point even even you know having like a you know like people in my life and everything else like that i still make at a point that christmas day is like uh, that's my day like you have you have to set aside this concept of, of christmas being for you it's like you have to gift yourself something and the, the something that you have to gift yourself is some kind of self-peace and that's the whole point of the, the holiday is is a, a day of peace and you have to have it otherwise you're going to go insane like you have to have at least one day you look forward to where like that is the thing and if you have negative people in your life or whatever is anybody out there like i know it, it sucks if you have like a sibling or something that's a pain in the ass so you don't like your parents or these friends or these relatives where they'll I, it sucks and it's hard to hear this or whatever but do whatever you possibly can to cut that crap out of your life on Christmas just on Christmas <laughs> like yeah. just just sever all ties of that nonsense and have a day of inner peace where you can sit by a fire or something uh, even a space heater it doesn't matter just sit by something warm and cozy drink something hot you know even if you have one of those charlie brown trees that's a twig with one little red ball on it or whatever held together with some plywood whatever enjoy yourself and just have a day to yourself it's it's important like paying yourself forward is something that we never do uh in the world anymore with this rat race of capitalism and all you do is consume and buy and blah and then they've tried to turn christmas into that and it kills me it's like christmas is not a consumption day it's a giving day and they've they've warped that concept i do want to get get back to this uh these uh, brazilian trannies or whatever oh right um but i I just want to make one point on that which is that this is uh as always the moral of the story is join the movement and oh, yeah. <laughs> find a way to get in and it's it's not easy get in the you community. have to put yourself out there a bit you have to take some risks you have to uh try to join um njp supporter group or or something and start to get involved because you will start to meet people and then you'll have friends to call up on christmas and say yeah dude i got nothing to do you want to just drink and talk about hitler right and any, that is going to be any, any <laughs> far group better. in your or yeah, any group in your in your local area that you can if you can't access any of the bigger ones or anything just get just get with communities make and the thing is make a family like christmas is about community and family so make it if you can't if you don't have it make it um that's the Aryan spirit <laughs> yes. so, so uh brazilian trannies right uh, so or, or 
Zionist politicians. Same thing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no. So Bolsonaro and Lula were having an exchange, obviously, of power uh, during these last elections in Brazil. Um, and the military and the police chiefs, the heads of these things, were getting politically involved in these in these uh, situations because people were like, "Yo, are they gonna like you know call in the cops to like start arresting people and start shooting people in the streets and blah blah blah." Um, but you know, obviously, that it didn't come to that entirely. There were some. There was some upheaval. There was like a few pro tests and everything else like that where they had to block certain things off or whatever but the thing is that these these police chiefs and everything else are they as you said they have to be politically involved in places where there's turmoil another one is our ally france they just had this giant fiasco come out well, wait a second did the police make the right decision in brazil i don't follow south oh America. they like well okay that depends on what you mean by right decision uh like it's everything was like a, a, a calm transfer the right power. decision for brazil for adolf hitler Oh well, no. That's, of course not. I, yeah, I mean, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, otherwise, you know, Lula would have been hanging from a light. But post even or something, in but, the short term, yeah. what was the? The short term is that they did keep peace. So there is that. There, okay. like, and then it wasn't. It wasn't brutal. It wasn't violent repression like French police do to the population, right? Um, there was some. There was some rough shit, but it was just because of both sides fighting, and they had again. But the thing is, it's mostly communist rioting that they won, which I never understand that. It's just like if, whenever communists win, they're they're like. I don't know. The way of, of celebrating is to destroy everything that they just earned. And it's like, what is wrong with why? Like that's fucking lols. I mean, it's retarded. I have no we idea. win. Yeah, let's burn down the city. What? Like you know. So and because it, and it, and they make their own they make their own guy then look like a fascist by having to send the cops to repress his own supporters because you know like they're destroying everything and like you know like we'll give it you know, credit where credits due. Some of these communist leaders or whatever at least want infrastructure to ha- be intact. You know, so they can make some money or something. You know, at least for for whatever projects they have they still need to they still need to generate income like there still has to be labor you can't just destroy labor <laughs> um but yeah so they they kind of kept the peace and there's like a, a peaceful quote-unquote peaceful transfer of power or whatever the heck i'm sure there's turmoil of some kind but it's brazil right like come on yeah um but france was another one uh recently where like apparently there's a huge fiasco with their police head like the head of their police basically saying like, yeah we basically run the country uh and you know we replace ministers where we please and everything else like that so it's it's like uh, the the french police are <laughs> I find the French police so repulsive. They are even awful. worse than the American police, perhaps. I yeah, I dude, I I hate to agree with you, but the French police are like really bad. But the thing is, is that that's also they're also really political. Like so apparently they're super political, like really unbelievably political. Like you know, like the mm. old saying of Prussia was like you know uh, the Prussian the Prussian or every state owns a military. The Prussian military owns a state. Okay, yeah, well right. every state owns a police force. The like the French police force owns a state. That's basically what it's come down to. <laughs> so. I mean, the whole like the cops basically run the country. Effectively, is what they're saying. It's like they will they will replace politicians if they need to. I guess I I, I don't follow uh, Europe as close as I as I used to. And Mm. but uh, I'm am I am I wrong in sort of rooting for Haji rioters in France at this point? Oh, when when they're when they're fighting the police. Just yeah, just to shake them up a bit. Just because like look at the police did to the yellow vest. Oh yeah, right. Let them have it. Fuck them. Let them have it. I (laughs) I have no sympathy, especially so they all Morocco wins a World Cup game. Like yeah, la politique. You're gonna get it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the best part is is that it's not just France that just gets rioted. Like like, the Moroccans win against France. This is the funniest thing. The Moroccans won against France or whatever, um, or however that that match. 
went. I think France. No, France won against Morocco. That's right. But still, everybody. Or Af- sorry, Africa won against Morocco. Right. Yeah. True. Yeah. But and okay. And so France claimed credit. All the yeah, and all the all all the different ones, like all the different matches that they had. France was never just the one getting beat up by Moroccans. It was like Belgium too, and like other parts of like other parts of Europe that had like too many Moroccan. You know, mm-hmm. immigrants were just getting raided and destroyed, and it's, like even during the match between France and Morocco, they didn't care; they were just destroying everything. Right. Like, and the Belgians deserve it. I'm sorry. Like, I Belgium is a fake country, and they have gone way too far with all this nonsense. And like, yeah, Merry Christmas, Belgium. I'm sorry. Fuck you. All right. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not like yeah. If, if you if you recall the the whole armistice for Christmas was between the French and the Germans, not the Germans and the the Belgians. So mm-hmm. you can fuck yourself. I'm sorry, but like the Belgium has gone too far, and they've immigrated. They've, like it's become the biggest melting pot i think in europe really like as far as the population is concerned belgian the poor belgians the flemish or whatever they need to get independence now damn it listen here there's your christmas present flems like <laughs> get independence from these people because the belgians are not anybody's friends they've destroyed themselves well they've i mean basically the eu has turned belgium into like a giant uh district of columbia it is in and a it's way right sick, they've made yeah. it like a, a the eu mini state it's like the vatican is to catholicism what yeah. Belgium is now to Europe. No, basically it's true, and I feel bad for the Belgians. I really, really do in that sense. Like for on on a, on a real serious, you know, Christmas note. Like I do feel bad for the Belgians. They got overran. It is what happened to basically Baltimore or DC or something, right? Um, where there was a once thriving cool culture or something. I mean, and then, Bel- you know, Belgium is just a fucking giant Anglo gay op. Ever since uh, true, yeah. Since what? Would the end of. Uh, since Waterloo, yeah, I mean, I, I would like, say oh, well, we're not gonna, the, yeah, well, keep... I would say before then because like the span, it was a Spanish gay out before it was right, anything right, else, true. like you know. So I guess it was just, it's always just been a gay out. I'm sorry, Belgium. We, um, we need a tripwire in case these European countries go to war with each other, and yeah, then we can have uh, Anglo involvement. That's basically, I feel bad for Belgium, but it is kind of that. Um, that's why they, 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 like Belgium should be part of the Netherlands in all reality, or the uh, what the the Germanic part should, and then the French. It should, yeah, it should Wolverine be partitioned, part should like just to... partition Belgium into all the different areas that it should be back to. Like, you know, most of it go obviously probably to the Netherlands, some to the French, some to the Germans. Um, nothing to whatever. Luxembourg. Yeah, it can be worked out. <laughs> yeah, nothing, we'll, nothing to Luxembourg. <laughs> we'll have we'll, we'll do like a Versailles thing where we get all the experts in the room and you know cut things up, but we do it right this time. We have to do it on Christmas too, so it's like presents for all the countries when they get their pieces of Belgium. <laughs> but yeah, so as far as like how people get into this politically let's let's digress back a bit like how everybody kind of in, in i guess became a political dissident i don't like using the word dissident honestly i i hate it i really yeah, I, don't I, like it I think it's it's too negative i don't like referring to us in the negative because we're not we're not wrong like we're in the right like you we know, are the the alternate government really right well it's like not be even beyond that like we're we're correct like there's no neg there should be no negativity applied to ourselves or our our ideologies simply just because there's nothing negative to apply to them like there's nothing there's nothing negative about it it's you know like, is evolution wrong no well, then why the heck is it negative you know or uh or is is uh self-determination for for a species wrong no of course it isn't like this is you know all these things make perfect sense um is national socialism wrong no it's fucking cool like i don't <laughs> why would we call it dissident you're not dissident you're the dominant cool guys you're obviously the chad in the room so um honestly with dis because what's what is really the concept of dissidence dissidence is going against the grain of things really so if anybody's going against the grain of anything it's people in power now who are going against nature and all things that are normal and so mm-hmm. like the dissident movement is the one that's in power currently yeah well you know i i was thinking this lately you know in in the vein that we are sort of the alternate elite 
uh, the, right. the National Socialists of the, America. We're the 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 radically altered, different way of underground doing aristocracy. Um, the, the princes of England, like Harry, mm. he's still crying and apologizing for wearing a swastika armband that one time. <laughs> he's such a bitch. <laughs> We, we, in a way, have more power than the prince or the king of England. Because we've never groveled. Well, great, because we can just say Jew whenever we feel like it. <laughs> and yeah. I can wear a swastika pin out in public and what the fuck ever. Right. But the literal royal... <laughs> yeah, a man, like, a man of, of uh, royal blood does not have that power he doesn't have free speech like, he is a how fucking crazy slave is he is a slave of his jew masters it's true it's so sad that like our royalties have been reduced to literal just slaves just straight like you're, up puppet slaves so if you're a prince of england you know you can go to vegas or whatever and right. bang all these sluts and be like oh yeah i'm a prince and like women are gonna be about that <laughs> right. but uh in reality in reality as well <laughs> mm. if you are the bad boy who is you know going to throw throw away your life <laughs> and say yes i i do actually like hitler and i right. think he was right mm. that has a certain ramification je ne sais quoi. <laughs> yeah to be yeah and he, he can't like think about that so anybody that's another thing you can open up this christmas day everybody is that you can open up a present of you have more power than the prince of england <laughs> you can say things like um the n-word open that one wrap that up you can say anything you want about jews or whatever the hell you can say heil hitler all day long yeah um now obviously uh you, you're probably going to lose your family and your job for saying it but <laughs> right right it's still you know the fact is that you can say it you know like you're and on top of that you can recover from it much more like we know so many guys that have been doxing this thing it's yeah. not even funny uh and a lot of guys have lost you know their homes and their families and things like that uh, and they've had some pretty dark christmases over the past few years yep. not uh you know can't say say that's not the case um but at the same time a lot of guys have faced that and have recovered you know miraculously and have sometimes done infinitely better for themselves afterwards than they were before that and it all comes down to the freedom you have of saying something about adolf hitler that the prince of england does not have the property to say so, <laughs> um so yeah enjoy enjoy your freedoms guys like that is a, a kind of thing like not to say like oh we're fucking you know demo democratic republicards or whatever and we believe in all these human rights and freedoms and stuff no but there are certain privileges that free men should indulge upon and that's kind of the thing about it yeah, you're not you're not free if you can't entertain any question right. and you're not going to lose your job or get um doxxed or have antifa threaten you if you i don't know believe in ufos or or witches or right. I don't know uh fluoride in the water or whatever um stuff that's all true by the way no. well, <laughs> yeah. well there is fluoride in the water but right <laughs> and it probably is bad for us yeah there's definitely witches <laughs> whatever none of that shit matters <laughs> right no yeah you could say the most outrageous thing you'd say yeah bigfoot molested you or something and they'd be like well that's just kind of weird but you know they're not gonna ostracize you from society like you're not gonna get fired for saying that even even having a fetish about it you're not gonna get fired for that because there's furries and they don't get fired from their jobs <laughs> just saying <laughs> but you know uh, you can lose your job for saying something is that about stuff him. about the u.s military and furries is that true or is that just like bullshit online? well like are there furries in the u.s military no no, no like you see like pictures of people wearing their uniforms and furry outfits in a is that, is that like made up it's pr i'd probably say i i can't confirm but i can't, i'd probably say it's like airsoft or something it has to be like there's no <laughs> way there's no like what are you gonna do put that in your sea bag or you can take that on deployment with you <laughs> like there's I mean, no I, way I, in hell i guess there's 
I ha- you have to assume, given there's so many people in the military, that there's going to be furries, and that right, of course, some there of these are. furries are going to take a picture, are going to break an unauthorized picture, right, wearing their class A's and their <laughs> their their disgusting uh, first fuck, yeah, fuck but, costumes. Well, I'd imagine that they probably have done that. I mean, I've I've seen you know swinger parties amongst like the higher ups and whatnot, so I'm sure they have other awful degenerate things that they indulge you know, in. No, um, Smasher was telling me that that's a thing. It is swinger parties all the officer yeah, corps any of us that were enlisted will all attest to the officers all banging each other and their wives <laughs> it's just a thing like they're just degenerates so I, <laughs> go ahead man glad and, i got kicked out yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know like it ruins your life sad, this is gonna sound fucked up but like here's the sad thing <laughs> it you get you know you're you're you, you're an officer at least you're only you at least you get to bang somebody else's wife when somebody's banging your wife right i mean yeah fair whereas if you're enlisted like you get dear john the second you get over oh yeah jody comes to visit as soon as you as soon as you go on deployment (laughs) so like there is still class privilege (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's kind of well yes and no because like you only the sergeants aren't doing that right like the sergeants aren't oh the up some of the some of the upper uh, some some of them some of the ncos get into the the aristocratic the top uh, the yeah the upper ncos get uh invited to the officer party sometimes yeah it's bad uh so they there there's a whole bunch of that that intermixing going on and the thing is though is that obviously those women are uh, doing stuff and men depending on some of the officers <laughs> are doing stuff behind their significant others backs whenever they go on deployment anyway like it doesn't matter like they're just and i don't think they care i think that's the thing is i don't think they care because when they go on deployment they're getting strange you know whenever we hit port mm-hmm. or wherever you know you get deployed to like some of the guys that are you know i, I it's i'd say it's it sucks worse for uh for the the ground boys that have to get stuck on not a ship that you can't like just hop ports and see fun stuff but um i, I know in the uh, in so in a, other words like in a specific branch that has boats i know specifically that dudes are just kind of just doing whatever they wanted in ports so if you're sitting around at home right now and you're like man i can't get a girlfriend and whatever it's it could be way worse. It could be way worse, guys. Uh, yeah, you could have one, and uh, <laughs> so could everybody else <laughs> that knows her. That, that same girl. Yeah, that same girl. Everybody else has the same one. Um, yeah, the village bicycle thing is real on base, just saying. Uh, so, yeah, oh. but, yeah, it, it's, uh, it is a dark thing uh, in the military, and it does screw with a lot of guys. And, again, we're, uh, any, of our, any of our military... You know, there, there, aren't there rules about this in, the, like, the UMCJ? Oh, yeah, you're, uh, about, you're supposed you know, to adultery. You're not supposed to do adultery, and you're not supposed to be yeah. uh, conduct on becoming of an officer. Of course and, there is. But, but nowadays, being a faggot is... It's the 1920s all over again, dude. Like it is Weimar yeah. Germany. It's bad. Like, Conduct on becoming an officer. It's is not even like it's not, not even different. Like we actually have normalized bestiality and stuff now with the furry thing. Like that's like a thing now. Like that's and now we're doing the drag queen story hours and normalizing pedophilia. We are. This is Weimar. Look, like, think about it. I understand about it's only 2020. Okay, we're gonna get off this, but I just have to say, like, yeah. I, what I understand <laughs> about the the bestiality thing is how can the animal consent? Like, doesn't this violate the the liberal principle of consent? Right. But we all know that they're all hypocrites. <laughs> You're not in a community if you can't talk about politics. Or and, real and stuff, not, And yeah. not just, like, fake politics. Like, oh, like, who's going to win the election? I mean, that... I. 
I like those conversations in a way, but it's the same way that I enjoy like it's a sports conversation. Basically, it's like well, team red, team blue. Right. Uh, it's whatever. it's ultimately meaningless, and that's the thing. It's like with a community, you're supposed to be able to talk about the real shit. Like you are supposed to talk about the witches in the wood kind yeah, of thing. If you, you know? say if you say the the most basic and obvious political fact of our entire era. Jews are powerful. Yeah. If you can't say that, what's the fucking point? Right. And so you should be able to get together on Christmas and other holidays with your bros and talk about this, like your community, like your family. Like you should be able to cultivate this with your wives and you know, your wife, your and child. And you can so. if you become a national socialist. Yeah. <laughs> Unabashedly. I, I, uh, I want to bring up this quote. So I, I finished reading this book on Goethe the other day. I'd, mm. I'd read most of it before our, our Faust episode. Uh, it's called Life and Work of Goethe by a uh, Englishman by the name of uh, J.G. Or was it J.G. Wentworth? J.G. Uh, Robertson. Oh. <laughs> and he sums up Faust very nicely. Uh, he says, he's, he's talking about the, uh, this is the conclusion, he's talking about uh, Goethe as a, as a writer and as a philosopher, and he says, wherein lies the highest activity of man? Assuredly not in egoistic self-culture, but rather in race service. Such is the goal to which Faust ultimately attains. Goethe's altruism is no mere vaguely exercised philanthropy, philanthropy, but an altruism in the interests of the great entity, humanity, renunciation in the service of the race. Now, Based. I, I, <laughs> I do think he means race in the sense of humanity in general. Uh, it's kind of gay, but... Yeah, right. But he is, but he is drawing a distinction here between uh, saying Robertson is saying that Goethe's altruism is no mere vaguely exercised love of men, right? Like liberalism, that's liberalism, right? V- I like I, I love everybody. Everyone Bl- is blanket equal. Love. Blah, 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 love, blanket love, 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 yeah, no. But an altruism in the interests of the great entity, humanity, renunciation of, uh, in the service of the race. So r- renouncing your own desires or your own material desires in the interests of serving your people yeah and the greater good and that that's the purpose or that is the the end goal of faust and you know i, I didn't but that's also the goal of christmas like, well yeah it is you know, it's the spirit of giving it's giving up you know again you're giving up material wealth to then spread the wealth around to to everyone else in your community like you suppose it's it is that spirit of giving like there's a there's a recurring theme throughout all these european traditions and and literature or literary works and everything else like that and our, our our traditions and everything else like that the running there's running themes like yeah our altruism is our greatest fuck up like evolutionarily that's undoubted that's an undoubted thing but it's also the best part about white people amongst our own community like yeah and i'll I'll say too with that that robertson quote when he says altruism to the whole race like i he kind of means all of humanity but he's uh, the distinction with he's saying okay liberalism like just vague oh i love everybody is is gay and and not morally good right the way i would interpret that point about helping the whole race if you want to help black people and hispanics you should be a Nazi. Yeah, don't feed the <laughs> you bears. <should>. Like, <laughs> if you want to, if the the ultimate good for not only whites but for all people, yeah, is a good or a good political organization of the whole world, and the way to achieve that balance. is national socialism. Yeah, balance for sure. Every race for themselves, basically, and like being able to to determine their own destinies. 
because you know unless they infringe upon your destinies and you got to deal with theirs but <laughs> yeah. yeah but that's but that's again what it came back to the concept of predators that i was talking about it's just nature like there will be there will be fights between predators they just just it happens you know sometimes the hyena gets a little too close to the line of the watering hole and somebody's got to get bit and, you know and the paw gets smacked or whatever but that's just that's just nature that's just the way it is and that's the same thing christmas is just a representation of nature all of this is just nature it's just so, natural national socialism is natural all these things that we want are just natural that's you know so yeah if you're celebrating christmas alone today this episode's for you <laughs> merry no, christmas seriously merry christmas yeah merry christmas merry christmas william and merry christmas, uh, Rick. and merry christmas anons yep heil hitler until the final victory heil hitler merry christmas guys <laughs> Wir sein, wir fühlen uns in